VHS files contain spoilers, adult content, and harsh language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. Is there something in particular I can help you find? Beetlejuice. No, 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 no. Don't even say that name. You don't want to see that movie. Beetlejuice. No, I'm telling you, you're going to get more than you bargained for. Beetlejuice. All right. Welcome to the VHS Files. It's Showtash. Showtash. Hello, everyone. And welcome back to the VHS Files, episode six. How's everybody doing tonight, Jenny? Great. Jason? Jason, one more time. Sorry, I'm having a little technical difficulty there. <laughs> I'm doing just fine. It's showtime, bitches. That's right. That's right. Eric, how you doing? I am doing well. Uh, let's review a film. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what we're here for, ladies and gentlemen. And as I said, we're on episode six. And that's the, that's the number. That's the number people most people hit where they hit it and then they quit it. Hit it and quit it. Um, I, I've just done a little research and, um, typically people get to about episode six and just sort of lose interest. So we're going to get over that hump and that's starting tonight, ladies and gentlemen. That brings us to our announcement that we are quitting the podcast. (laughs) That's right. Well, I was just wondering if we were still talking about the episode, the whole hit it and quit it. I didn't know (laughs) if that's what we were talking about. (laughs) Make sure we're talking about, uh, episodes and podcasts here. (sighs) Well, tonight we are talking... (laughs) Another childhood favorite. It seems like that's just, you know, the theme we got going on here here at the VHS Files. And um, we're talking Beetle Juice. From the director of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, Adam and Barbara are ghosts. What's the good of being a ghost if you can't frighten people away? Their house is being haunted by the living. Maybe the house could use a little remodeling. And they can't scare them into leaving. They're dead. It's a little late to be neurotic. <laughs> so they're calling on Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Who's no ordinary ghost. Yeah, you don't want his help. Can you be scary? What do you think of this? Now, the party's over. He wants somebody out of the house. Directed by Tim Burton. Beetlejuice was released on March 30th in 1988. Had a budget of $15 million. Did a gross box office of 74.2 total was released among the likes of hairspray, hairspray. serpent in the rainbow west craven oh. classic oh good good movie police academy 5 miami beach <laughs> oh yes one of the best ones not action jackson <laughs> has anybody seen action jackson besides me and, and jason i know jason's seen it Oh, I've seen it. You gotta love Carl Weathers, man. We're definitely gonna talk Action Jackson one of these days. And Emilio Estevez and Charlie Sheen, Young Guns, came out as well. Mm-hmm. So that's a good one. Yes. That's, yes. That's, I think that's one. probably the best of the ones you just said. I I, I love the Young Guns movie. I, I even like Young Guns too quite a bit. Oh yeah. So Gosh, I love that Bon Jovi soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> so this was uh released in nineteen eighty eight. So Mr. Eric, take us back in time. Tell us what was cool in 1988. We're sending you back in time. Whoa, this is heavy. 
Well, Josh, uh, instead of cool things that happened in 1988, I'm going to tell you about dumb things that happened in 1988. (laughs) All right. A A little change of pace. Yeah, this is the stupid edition of of Back in Time. Uh, Millie Vanilli drops Girl, You Know It's True to wild success. Uh, Michael Dukakis thought it would be cool uh, to do a photo op in a tank, uh, which backfired. And uh, it was a dumb idea, and he lost. Uh, George Lucas gave a speech to Congress about the need to protect films from being altered, uh, then proceeded to alter Star Wars repeatedly. (laughs) Uh, Doves were released during the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games, but that tradition ended when some of the doves landed in the Olympic flame cauldron and were incinerated in front of everyone. Oh, Ooh, squab uh, for everybody. Here's a stupid one. Extra stupid. Uh, Cosmopolitan magazine ran an article stating that women had no chance of con- uh, contracting HIV from sex with a man because HIV could not be transmitted in missionary position. <laughs> that is not oh true. <laughs> Listeners, that is not true. Uh, and finally, uh, somehow 13% of Americans surveyed thought the moon was made of cheese. <laughs> So I guess they were like our flat earthers. I don't, I don't know. So, oh, either that yes, they're from that Wisconsin. Is, those <laughs> yeah. moon cheesers, you know. <laughs> those damn moon cheesers. <laughs> you don't hear much from them these days. No. It's more of the flat earthers. Yeah. So that's, you know, that's 1988. Just a lot of great stupid things. Well, I made a little note here because uh, Miss Audrey Hepburn, the actress, is one of Ginny's favorites, Favorite. if not favorite actress. And uh, she was appointed a... UNICEF Special Ambassador, Goodwill Ambassador, on March 9th of 1988. And um, if you were into music whatsoever in the 80s, you would have been affected by a band named Van Halen. And I just wanted to take a second and uh, say RIP Eddie Van Halen. Uh, Jason and I are, are, are musicians, and Van Halen was a big, big part of our um of, of what made us who we are as musicians, I still jam Van Halen to this day. 1984 and the the self titled debut are two of my favorite records. And um, Eddie Van Halen was absolutely a genius when it comes to guitar. I mean, Jason's a guitar player. Um, I'm sure he. I mean, influenced ev- everyone. And, and, you know, any of these bands today that are tapping on their necks and 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 doing the finger tapping and all that stuff. I mean, that was all. Eddie Van Halen, who who made that popular, so I still to this day have not mastered that. <laughs> it takes, it's just watching him as a kid. Like uh, I even made a post on uh, our uh, Facebook thing about you know watching Eddie Van Halen uh, on MTV and just like how does this man do this? And you know you're a young kid, you don't have a guitar yet, so it was always the broom jumping around the house. You know when uh, <laughs> jump came on, anything like that. It was like oh, I want to be Eddie Van Halen. You know it's great. And I mean, I've always been a Van Halen fan, Van Halen or Van Hagar. They were still both great to me because the constant was always Eddie. The man right. took things like Jimmy had done back during his <sighs> days, and he literally picked that torch up and just kept carrying guitar to other outreaches of space and beyond done yeah. things that people still do to this day and have not mastered yeah so i mean he was a composer as well as a great guitar player yeah i mean he, he he you know he's got his famous trademark guitar he actually built that guitar he got the sound from building that guitar and tweaking it over the years so i mean that, that's one reason he has such a distinct sound along with his amplification and, and you know the pedals he used and stuff like that and 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you're, you're not going to get, I don't think you're going to get anybody, um, quite like Eddie Van Halen moving forward. So rest in peace, Eddie Van Halen, but let's talk. Well, I mean, Eddie Van Halen. I got one more. What? I got one more, uh, since we're in the world of rock and stuff like that, of, of that year, 1988, the best uh, metal album, I would say maybe number two in their whole thing. And Justice for All came out that year, dude. Okay. Come on. Metallica, man. Come on. We got to play. I got to mention the Metallica. <laughs> I mean, geez, 1988, one, everybody knows that song from that album. So, man. Gotta... <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. The soundboard has made its first. Appearance. Oh, Josh has a new toy, everyone. <laughs> So he just says the reason Josh is not a fan because he played bass in the band I was in and that album lacks bass through the whole thing. There is no bass. That's not it. That's not it whatsoever. (laughs) I'm just kind of over Metallica at this point. They've been around too long. They just need to disappear in my opinion. Well, that was pretty much about the end of the golden age. Yeah. Then it went on some, but I just had to have that. Two eras of Metallica. Yeah. That was in my notes. You can be a fan of one and the other. That is true. Very true. Yeah, they definitely so. split shortly after that. Split their fan base shortly after that. So split their pants. <laughs> so let's get into Beetlejuice. Uh, stars Alec Baldwin, Gina Davis, Jeffrey Jones, Catherine O'Hara, Winona Ryder making her first big screen appearance, and Mr. Michael Keaton portraying Beetlejuice. And we start Beetlejuice with something that I want to bring up right away: um, Danny Elfman doing the score and the opening score to this movie sets the tone so well. And as soon as that music cues up and it starts doing the overpass over the model of the town, I'm, I'm on board. I'm already on board. And the model stuff is so great throughout this entire thing. And I love that it just comes in winding through the town and, you know, setting the stage for what's to come. Yeah. Well, when that, that shot first starts, I think it's the actual town. Yeah, like the real yeah. town, because you see the house up on the hill. I mean, I mean, if not, that is the best you know model ever made for that time in 1988. But yeah, you start out, and then next thing you know, I mean, as a kid when I saw this movie, you have to wait. Are we still? Are we real? Or is that is that a real bread truck? No, that's a fake bread truck. But yeah, there's times the, throughout this movie where you have to you have to pay attention. Kind of well, outside of the story, you 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 wonder yourself, is that a miniature? That's yeah, miniature, that, right? And then what, oh, yeah, so much. Well, I Sometimes. mean, this is the time when they were still working quite a bit with miniatures to do effects. And, and, and there are a lot of miniatures in this movie that aren't supposed to be miniature, but then there's also miniatures in this movie that are supposed to be miniatures. <laughs> and you have, to, you have to figure out which, is this a miniature, and I'm not supposed to think it's a miniature? That's a little complicated. How many times does Eric say miniature in this episode? You may win a prize. Let us know. We'll need a counter in the corner. Yeah. Well, I just love that it's... You know, a movie technique in a movie, like they're saying, like, look, this is how we do this because this is a model, and I'm on. We model. do that for <laughs> <laughs> well, for that other movies. We... Yeah, I just I think it's really clever. Yeah, it's a great it's a great little game that they play. They get to play mm-hmm. with the entire time, yeah. and it got me it got me wondering because. In in recent years, we've had Hereditary come out, and I don't know yeah. if you've seen The Lodge, um, a newer horror movie, came out after Hereditary. But both of those have similar openings where you're going through this miniature, and and um, 
seeing a house laid out and everything. And it, it really reminded me of Beetle or well, watching Beetlejuice reminded me of that. And I was like, Oh, they did this 35 years ago and I forgot all about it. Yeah. And I, you get it a couple other more times recently, like, um, sharp objects had the little dollhouse, mm-hmm. which yeah. they yeah. kind of play with a little bit. And, uh, Oh, what was the other one? I can't think of the other one anyway, but yes, I've, I've seen that a few times, like you say, hereditary and yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I, I love the overhead shot and finding the house and it's <laughs> the music along with going over the, the model and then setting the tone of seeing the spider coming up over the roof. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it just makes, it makes it all that much more funny because it's, Mm-hmm. I remember like starting out with this movie. This is one of the very first movies I remember going to the theater to see. Yeah. Um, That's what I was about to ask. Uh, I want to know, did Eric and Jenny see this as a, as a child? Because it is kind of, it's comedy, but it's got some horror to it. And I was wanting to know if the two of them saw this as a child or later, like teenage years. So I'm pretty sure me and Josh saw it not too long after it came out. I have a story about it, but I want to hear from them too. Yeah. I definitely saw this one as a kid and, um, and I remember loving Beetlejuice. I watched the cartoon, the oh, Beetlejuice yes. cartoon that spun off of this. I remember watching that on Saturday mornings. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, this was, I think, one of the early, you know, quote unquote, horror type things that I had seen. And I loved it. I loved all the effects in it and all the death stuff and all the, you know, all that stuff. Yeah, it's, it's. You, Jenny? Yeah, I absolutely saw this when I was a kid. Um, first introduction to Tim Burton and I asked my mom last night, how did you let me watch this when I was a kid? Cause this doesn't seem like the kind of movie that I should have been allowed to see. And she said, well, you know, we did our best. Sometimes it slipped through. <laughs> <laughs> this one's really relatable to Ghostbusters in that aspect because it's, it's got a very family family tone, and yeah. But there's some underlying things <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that I'll get to here later that are like, yep. uh, not so underlining things. Yeah, yeah. yeah the eleven year old Jason was still trying. What what is, what's going on? What is this thing about Dante's Inferno, or what is this going? <laughs> yeah, what's it mean? But he has the thing sticking out of him. What is he talking about? But I can remember going back this is probably my earliest memory that I knew of, of actually seeing this movie in the theater. Mm-hmm. That's why I, I remember I was 11 when it came out and I remember seeing this movie actually in the theater. Uh, no VHS, no having to wait to record it off TV. My mom actually, and, and stepdad actually took me to go see this uh, at the small theater here close to where I live now. Theater's no longer there, but uh, I, and I remember just staring at the screen the whole entire time. And there are, We'll get to them later, but uh, there's times I was actually scared. Yeah, I mean it's it's a lot of comedy, but there's some jump scares in a sense that frightened me as a child, and I, I think I remember having some nightmares a couple of times about shrimp. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I love shrimp, but man, it, it was just like you know you go to a restaurant, you know you you pick them up like oh wait oh I don't know if I want this one. Can I just get a hamburger? <laughs> I don't want any shrimp. So, but. I, I say out of all the movies we've been talking about so far, I didn't have to wait to see this on a, a rental or wait for it to be on cable. I actually got to see this one in the theater, and it was definitely an enjoyable and rem- memorable experience. Now, were you aware of it and wanted to go see it? Well, again, 
my mom, she's listened to these uh, podcasts. She's like, you're bl- you make me sound like a bad mother <laughs> that I let my child go and see all these horrible movies on TV and whatever. And I'm like, but it made me the person I am today. And look what I'm doing. We're talking about it on, uh, on podcasts about it. And, you know, she was a great mom. But uh, no, I mean, I've seen it because on the trailer, it looks funny. It's a comedy. And my yeah. mom loved horror and comedy. And she saw this and she loved Michael Keaton, you know, like Mr. Mom and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. She loved Michael Keaton. So that's why we went to see it. And, you know, we were, I think it was me and my little brother went with her to see it. But uh, yeah, I mean, I watched it. But yeah, there were parts I was, uh, I was probably in the seat, you know, head up against mom going, oh, okay. <laughs> Okay. Oh, okay. We're cool. We're going to laugh for a few minutes and then other things, but it was definitely a movie I will remember. And I still love to this day. Yeah. Mine, my, my first memory of going to the movies is I have two, it's Harry and the Hendersons and Beetlejuice. And we've determined that Harry and the Hendersons came out first. So it had to have been that one, but I distinctly remember this one because I don't remember knowing anything about it. I don't, I, I know, Kind of similar to your situation, Jason. My mom was really into some of the Michael Keaton movies before this. I remember Mr. Mom was a staple in my house. And um but going to see this, I didn't even know that was that was the guy in Mr. Mom because of the makeup and everything. Yeah. And uh I, I had my mom took me to see it. And I had no idea what we were going to see, and I wasn't very happy about it. <laughs> I, I can't remember. I, I just remember not being happy, and I didn't know what movie we were going to see, and came out pleasantly, pleasantly surprised. I loved it, and it's it's one of my very first fond memories of going to a movie theater and watching a movie and coming out very excited about what I just saw. So, does anybody want to go ahead and give their over under on what Jason did in this movie, <laughs> like what Jason? Went and did in Texas because he was <laughs> bored and needed to figure out how to do something. It's our new segment here at uh, it's got to be a Files. seance, right? <laughs> <laughs> Try a seance. He tried to run. Yeah, he did the dance, like learned all the moves. Uh, maybe, maybe. Uh, I, I don't know if we get to that point in the movie. I'll point it out. But uh, <laughs> watching, I mean, this movie's. A, I mean, Tim Burton has definitely a wild imagination, so. I don't know if there is much in this movie that I might have done, but uh, we may hit it and I may have a memory. So <laughs> I'll, I'll hold on to it. Let's see what the uh, bet goes down to. So so we get into this and we're introduced to very young Alec Baldwin. And Baby Alec Baldwin. And um, infant Al- Alec Baldwin. <laughs> Gina Davis. And <laughs> was she wearing a wig in this? There was one part in particular I was like, her hair looks good, but on top it looked like they had put like a hairpiece over. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It, I, don't know. I just I noticed it when we watched it. Um, so they're on vacation, spending their vacation at home. Staycation. This must have been yeah. the first staycation. Staycation yeah. from the hardware store. Now this leads to a lot of what why I don't know why I love this movie so much because a lot of it is is very adult themed mm-hmm. um you know them renovating their house mm-hmm. and taking their vacation and then the 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 cousin or whoever she is that comes to try and talk them into selling their house which okay this lady is ridiculous like I want like <laughs> I got an offer on the house like if somebody came to me and was like, I got an offer on your house, I'd be like, fuck you. It's not for sale. <laughs> yeah, you and can tell she's they, 
Also, ahead, uh, big implication of infertility uh, from oh. the realtor, whoever, towards uh, Gina Davis's character. And it was so uncool. It was yeah, like a family some, should live here. And she's like, ooh, like stab you in some the boundary heart. issues. Yeah. Uh-huh. This lady. Is this lady like related to them in any yeah, way? Yeah, I think she said she was related to the She people. says she's family, but I don't know. I don't know what that means. I feel like she was just saying that. Yeah. But she's not just ra- a random realtor. I mean, she's she shows up after they die, too. So, yeah. like, is she a family yeah. member, like, extended family? I, I don't know. Well, yeah, there's, she's she's a bit much. And Yeah, there's that brief dev- there's that brief exchange between Winona Ryder and her when she gives her the skeleton key. She goes, they were family. I was devastated. And <laughs> I was like, no, you weren't. You got to sell this house that you kept trying to talk them into selling. <laughs> just, yeah. I thought I found her to be very ridiculous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want to know what percent she got on that. Well, I <laughs> heard not the commission. Well, what was the yeah, price the on the house? It was two hundred and fifty thousand or something. something ridiculously low, like which that. in eighty eight. I mean, that would have been a, a, lot. a whole yeah. lot of money. Twice that well, much well, that's a pretty good size house when I mean, that shot mm-hmm. comes in and all that and uh, the land and everything. But hey, speaking of the house, did anybody? feel like that house reminded them of another famous house from another movie no no Mm-mm. but come you ju- on you just reminded me of something i didn't talk about in the friday the 13th episode are you, are you talking about psycho <laughs> yes it looks like the bates home a little like, bit yeah yeah it, and it's up on the hill yeah above the rest of the town and i was just like and uh you know it's funny i mean i mean how many times have we all seen beetlejuice that just hit me on this uh you know watch to do the podcast it was like Dude, that looks like the Bates home. There, yeah, there might be some influence there. It, it sure. has a little mm-hmm. bit. I mean, it's his Tim Burton, and he's always been that way. Yeah, he, he nods. That. He makes some. He makes a nod to Night of the Living Dead as well in this movie. Yeah, so. true, yeah. very true. Um, so we're watching this last night, and they they run into town to grab something for the house or whatever, and then. They swerve to hit a dog, and they crash through this, uh, crash through this, through this bridge. They swerve to avoid hitting well, the dog. Right, to avoid it. <laughs> they swerve to hit the dog. Well, in hindsight, they probably punishment. should have. They probably should have tried to hit the dog since the dog ultimately killed them. Now, did the realtor lady hire the dog to kill them so she could sell the house? <laughs> the highly trained canine. Uh, I think she did. I'll hook you up with T-bones for the rest of your life. But just well, the, we we get the first of many visual gags. Yeah, you know the. I mean, first it's fun that they kind of set it up as they're driving into town. You see the dog, you see the bridge, you see all the pieces that are going to mm-hmm. hit them. Yeah, uh, but that's fun. But the the dog on the on the piece of wood that's you know keeping the car from falling. What? Uh, th- that's <laughs> Which like, is so unlikely. Such a silly <laughs> gag. Yeah. And, yeah. And they they do a lot of these kind of mm-hmm. gags throughout the movie, and it immediately sets the the sense of humor up. You know for it's like, okay, don't take this movie too seriously, you know? Yeah. We're just having fun. Well, and speaking of the Night of Living Dead thing, I noticed her name is Barbara as well. So that, I'm they're going to get it. you, Barbara. Barbara. Yeah. <laughs> Did you just say that too, Jason? That was yes, weird. It, it sounded like an echo. Yeah. <laughs> it's in stereo. But apparently their death was supposed to be a lot more gruesome, and the original script for this was supposed to be a lot more bloody and... Things were going to be a, a lot different. Yeah, Beetlejuice yeah. was supposed to be like a murderous rapist. Yeah, <laughs> and he was a winged demon. Which honestly, once we get to some of the meat of the movie, it's pretty close. Still there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, the rapey stuff. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. It would be interesting to to see a remake of this movie in that in that tone. Like instead of trying to remake a comedy, something movie, actually dark and like make a really scary horror yeah. version of Beetlejuice. That could be a pretty cool. Mm. Something something tells me it would end up being more like the Nightmare on Elm Street remake that happened. That was just too serious, you know. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, we can talk about the sequel that was supposed to get made for this at the end. I think that's. <laughs> I've got some idea. You know, I've got some thoughts about that, and we'll talk about it after we get done with the movie. But um, could that crash have killed them? I mean. Yeah. I don't know. I have, uh, that's yes, what I was watching. Oh, I'm Go ahead, Eric. Oh, no, I was going to say that is like the deepest little creek in a town ever. I mean, I mean, they fell off there. I mean, it's it's very shallow. I mean, I think they could have crawled out the back of the car or something, or maybe it knocked them out when they hit. Mm-hmm. Maybe I don't they know. just drowned. And then they drowned slowly. Yeah. That's the only thing I could think of. They they don't appear damaged like the yeah. other dead. So exactly. I think they drowned. Yeah. You have to assume they just drowned, and that's. That's why they don't have, you know, wounds and whatnot. Very true. This is my second biggest fear is driving off of a bridge into a body of water and being trapped and drowning. What's the first? Being buried alive. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty it, it all has to do with not being able to breathe. Yeah. Uh, I, think the, right. I think both of those are kind of high up on everybody's list, I think. Yeah. That's not but, like, I mean, no, it's like a serious, like, fear like so does this upset you when this happens uh uh-huh yeah i tensed up yeah i remember being upset when i realized they were dead as a kid watching it like that was a memory that came back to me where i was like oh no like they died i I sort of realized it as they were you know as you know that's what the viewer does but uh yeah i remember that being sad i remember being sad about that Mm -hmm. That, well that's another thing i think as a kid that i never really dawned on me like i got that they were dead but i didn't get this whole like i was just along for the ride when they were figuring all this out and finding the the handbook for the recently deceased and um going josh has on his table right now (laughs) it's my little it's just a blank notebook but i just i love the aesthetic of it and um but it's this is a very unique portrayal of the afterlife quote-unquote um because i mean this is the first time I'd ever really seen anything that was like, no, you're not, you don't go to heaven or hell. This is just, they, they briefly touch on this. They spend a hundred, they're, they're, they're to spend 125 years in their house. Like mm-hmm. what is it that constitutes where you spend this time in your afterlife? Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of weird. And also I think their motivations are a little weak for, for this haunting, for this, whatever has happened They're unwillingness to leave or yeah. move on. I don't they go to pretty extreme lengths to just get this these people out of their house. It's that's one thing I kinda noticed this yeah. time. Like getting getting to Beetlejuice was Yeah. Extremely reckless. Mm-hmm. I don't really understand why they're stuck in their house for 125 years because they didn't die in their house. Right. They died under the bridge. Why aren't they haunting the bridge for 125 years? Well, that would be a boring movie. Yeah. I'm just sitting under the bridge for two But hours. I definitely I, I definitely understand. And that, that there's a lot of questions posed in this movie, watching it as an adult now, that I was... You know, we'll talk about when we get to them, but there's a lot they leave up in the air in this that they don't really try to explain to you. Well, going back, it was a good point that, you know, 
it's exploring the afterlife in a sort of obviously whimsical and comedic way, but also sort of portraying it as boring or, you know, there, there isn't a, a yeah. heavenly light in this movie that they get to move on to later. Mm-hmm. There right. isn't, you know, uh, it's, it's a bit bleak and it's, you know, uh, it's more about finding happiness with what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. And they Your basic, go ahead, Josh. Oh, they, they touch on that too, because there's the scene, they shot where they go to the, to the base or to the attic and they're cleaning. And he's like, you got cabin fever. And he's like, what if this is heaven? And she says, if it was heaven, there wouldn't be dust on everything. <laughs> so they, they lightly graze on, you know, where, where they're at as, you know, dead people in the afterlife. Like I got to spend 125 years just sitting in this house. I could think that would might get a little boring. Yeah. I think, I think they're cute together too. Like, yes. Yeah. They, they established that in the beginning and dude, that's like relationship die, goals right there. Yeah. The two of just, them. Yeah. That is just rela- love. They just love hanging out together. Mm-hmm. And, and okay. they, yeah, it, that gets you on their side immediately, mm-hmm. even right. though their mo- motivations might be a little yeah. murky, but, and in that scene, they're they're actually in the model because you know we get established that Alec Baldwin's character is making a model of the whole town, and it's pretty morbid that they're setting up their own their own uh, funeral in the cemetery. And stuff. <laughs> yeah, get it just right. Do we want to be here or over <laughs> yeah. here? Oh, and at least when you did find out that when you die, you better have known how to operate your stereo because the the handbook for the recently deceased reads like. Stereo instructions. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you you've better been a, a fan of Radio Shack back then if you want to have a successful afterlife. <laughs> and if you're setting up little miniatures, you probably would go to Radio Shack all the time. For you would think, light bulbs yeah. and wires and whatnot. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Mm. And then, um, so they they're in their We'd house. Like to thank our sponsor, Radio Shack. Radio Shack. <laughs> Are they even in business anymore? I think they're finally shut them all down. I think. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so they're in their house and all of a sudden people start coming in and we're introduced to the Dietzes. Now, you got Catherine O'Hare, who is amazing in this movie. She is perfection. I've never seen her in anything before this, but this is where this woman left an impression on me. She's terrible. (laughs) Like she's great in the movie, but she's a terrible person. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if she's. A hundred percent a terrible person. She's a fish out of water. Yeah. And who does not want to be out of the water? Like she wants to go back in. Well, we also part of higher society, you know, pinky out. We're not (laughs) supposed to be out here in the woods per se. Yeah. And, and, and she's a stepmother. Yep. Yeah. All of a sudden too, which, you know, again, like last week with lost boys, we have a a non-traditional family. Mm Mm-hmm you know, trying to make things work. And you've got uh, Lydia who doesn't like her stepmother and they're in a new place and dad's trying to find peace. And and you've got her dad always calling her her mother. Mm-hmm. It's it's like one of those dads that's just bearing, being very pushy about the relationship. I noticed that in this. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then you, we get introduced to an owner writer. I think a lot of kids my age and teenagers fell in love when they saw this movie. Uh, Jenny and I were talking a lot about this last night about how she was just like your quintessential like goth girl. She's but, the OG goth girl. Yeah, she like inspired a generation of of goth girls. But we were that's what we were talking about. Is do you think she had the intent of becoming this uh, super 
like known as a goth girl. I mean, she kind of, she did this. I'm not sure if she really did much else that portrayed her as quote unquote goth. Uh, but that's she always had kind of darker characters, yeah, darker. like uh, Heather's Heather's and pump up the yeah. volume and stuff like yeah. that. With the exception of Edward Scissorhands, where it's like dramatically the opposite yeah. of the yeah. dark aesthetic. Like let's have blonde hair and put her in white. And it was like kind of like a rebellion against that. Maybe I'm not sure. Yeah. And, and, but I mean, she's great in this. It, we we did the math yesterday, and she, I think she would have been sixteen when they were shooting this, which makes the end of the movie all that much more creepy. <laughs> did you happen to see the actresses that that turned down this role? I actually didn't get a, whole, a chance to do a whole lot of research on this one. Yeah, well, Sarah uh, Jessica Parker, yeah, uh, Brooke Shields, uh, Justine Bateman, Molly Ringwald, Jennifer Connelly, mm-hmm. Diane Lane, Lori Laughlin. Yeah. Whoa! All turned yeah. it down. All turned it down. Yeah. Lori Loughlin had, had a full house. For us. <laughs> oh yeah, and what was uh, and uh, uh, Delia was originally they were trying to uh, cast Angelica Houston for her. That's right, and mm-hmm. but she got sick or something, and couldn't do it. So and then he got. Her. And while we're on this, uh, Burton's first choice for Beetlejuice was Sammy Davis Jr. I did. I did hear about that. I've heard that for quite a number of years about that about uh, Sammy Davis Jr. in there. And I was like, but then you see what we have now and you're like, how was that possible? (laughs) Yeah, it would have been a very different movie. (laughs) Man, I love me some Sammy Davis Jr., but how? I'm imagining Sammy Davis Jr. doing the jerk-off motion now. (laughs) (laughs) But I don't like it. it. But it would be Beetlejuice to the whole movie with like a martini glass in his hand. (laughs) Hey. (laughs) I was like, that's all Beetlejuice would have been a whole lot cooler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, but in the introduction to the Dietzes, you, you meet the dad, Charles, who's a, a, a real estate mogul. And then there's two two aspects about when they get introduced that as a kid, I just did not understand what was going on. Number one was her sculptures. I, I, I was like, what the hell is this? This woman is so <laughs> like – and infatuated with as we far as these sculptures go to modern art at this age right. modern <laughs> art yeah uh, you, you, totally and and i thought i always thought she was a collector of them when i was a kid i didn't realize they she made them yeah. she says i made that i don't mm-hmm. know in my memory it was that she just collected art but yeah they're they're her artwork you know? right and they're very weird i mean you can tell that this is stuff tim burton handpicked um just really weird off the wall looking stuff. And, but I love, I love the, the guy, the mover guy's response to her saying that this is my sculpture and put it on the table and he just tosses it like he does sideways. Yeah. yeah just, <laughs> Doesn't even stand it up. Right. <laughs> but other than, other than the um, sculptures, the other thing I did not understand was the character Otho. I still don't understand. <laughs> Otho. Well, at that time, I had no idea what an interior designer was. I was confused as hell because Delia is so engulfed in working with Otho. Like I was, I, I was under the impression that her and Otho were a thing, and Charles oh. was just some other guy. So I was very confused by the dynamic of what was going on here. And I, it, I guess it comes from the the New York sense of things of having your own interior decorator and all of that. Um, but I was she has to express herself. Yeah. And I love that Charles loves the house. Winona Ryder loves the house, and they don't want to change it. But 
Delia is like, we're, we're, Get, we're gutting this bad boy. If I if I can't, I love the, what's the line she says. If I can't cut out this house and make it my own, I will go insane and I will take it with me. Yeah, <laughs> she's, she's very so convincing. great. Yeah, she is. That or, and then the other line was a little gasoline and a blowtorch. It'd be no problem. <laughs> I'm like, geez, she's just gonna burn the house down, just wipe it clean to the foundation. Let's build a new one. Yeah. Well, she is. She is a sculptor. She probably works with with fire and whatnot. Um those metal works and everything. Uh, and you can tell that Otho is clearly just trying to drain, uh, the, this family as, as yeah, of as much money as possible, mm-hmm. you know? Well, you mean Charles is a, a real estate mogul or whatever. He's got the money to burn. And then now he's got his new New York wife and, you know, she has things she has to have. So, you know, we got Otho and he's just like, Oh, money, you know, signs everywhere. Let's just keep pumping it. I love just a moment with, with the dad, uh, What's the dad's name? I'm trying to remember. Charles. 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 Okay. When he's reading the magazine and all the little subscription <laughs> inserts are falling out, <laughs> that's such an 80s thing, great. like yeah. 80s, oh, yes. 90s thing that just made me laugh when I saw that. I distinctly remember Jenny and I cracking up a little bit when that was happening yeah. when we were watching it too. Yeah. Um, but they come in and they start tearing this, I mean, just picking this house apart and talking about how bad the style is. And I can imagine this could be where this part of the afterlife or maybe this is hell for them is you've got people openly saying how bad I mean, your style she's is insulting yeah. her hard work. It's like, you finally get to see the things people would, would have said about you now that you're gone, you know, <laughs> yeah, if they they're getting to you. experience it firsthand. Yep. So I, I found like, that's what I took away from that whole scene this time. I was like, man, that would suck to just have people right in front of you, just blasting your style and telling you your house just looks terrible. And, that would piss, piss me off and make me yeah. want to chop my own head off. And <laughs> <laughs> it was so yeah. it's so funny though. They're going through the house and they're talking about colors and what they're going to do, and they're commenting on the closet size and how small it is. And they walk through the bathroom. It's a split second. They just go okay, and it's a huge bathroom. Yeah, it's she, massive, and she's just like, "All right, like this isn't worth talking about." Yeah, yeah. She she makes some comment about the bathroom just being like, "Oh, an indoor outhouse." Yes, that's what it was, <laughs> and it's yeah. massive. It's a great bathroom. Yeah, most people would kill for that size bathroom, especially coming from New York. You'd think that would be something yeah. she'd be like, "Whoa!" But who knows where they were living in New York? She must have had a big penthouse somewhere or something. Yeah. But uh, now this is Tim Burton's second feature film. Uh, coming off of Pee Wee's Big Adventure, I really never realized just how much this is a very tight blend of the Pee Wee Big Adventure style of things and Tim Burton interjecting his gothic horror stuff together. And I got a lot of Pee Wee's Big Adventure out of this. Did anybody else like the the score and the little bit of the goofiness from the family and whatnot? I just I was getting major Pee Wee vibes. Yeah, and I, I can certainly see the family stuff and. And the gag stuff too, um, just a sense of humor. Yeah, you know? even a little bit of the scariness stuff, like from Pee Wee with the whole uh, clown scene when he's having a dream. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of creepy, you know. Well, actually, bit... you know, Large Marge is kind yes. of reminds me of of when Beetlejuice's face. Yeah, you see it from the back, but when he yeah. tries to scare them. But can you be scary? <laughs> <laughs> that is a little. Well, that's coming Marge-y. up. Yeah. So 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 they so after this they. They try to run out, and we see the the wasteland for the first time. 
Do we want to talk about this now or later when they bring it up? I mean, because the wasteland there now. Yeah, I mean the wasteland like because Jenny did not catch this, and I'm wondering if anybody else. I mean, Jason, you probably know, but it's Saturn that they go to. Have I you, did not know that. Why so I, I actually didn't know that it was Saturn. I did not even realize. Is it that. Saturn? Okay. So, is, is it? Well, no. Uh, there is a there is a scene when we meet Beetlejuice. I want to talk about it then. But yeah, the, okay, when they st- well, let's I, just talk about the look of it. Yeah, I mean, because the visual we, effects of it don't really hold up too well now. <laughs> well, but yeah, I love the get, look. I love the look of a, it. We get the worst. Some of the worst effects, you know, uh, in this area of the film, but I love the stop motion sandworm. Yes. I love the yellow sand, Mm -hmm. the, the, just the insane colors, just the design of everything makes up for the limitations of the effects for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Tim Burton has such a unique, you know, vision that is just so unique to him. It's just bizarre, you know? Yeah. Uh, I love just the yellow sand. I made a note of yellow sand, like yellow sand. So good. And Why that, is it yellow? I don't know. The yellow sand plays key in what I want to talk about when we meet Beetlejuice too. And they talk about the Saturn stuff. Um, so well, you, got that, you got that little bit of Beetlejuice there when he's kind of in his coffin. That's your first little, you know, uh, uh, you know, he's looking at the paper trying to find a job. <laughs> I think that's a nice little like hint at, at where we're going with his character. Um, but for work, they, um, they decide that they're going to try and scare the Dietzes out themselves. And this, I wanted to talk about the fact that was this PG or PG 13? Did anybody look? It's PG. It's PG. So mm-hmm. again, we've got a movie in the eighties, like has straight up decapitation faces mm-hmm. being ripped mm-hmm. off. And later the word fuck is used. Mm-hmm. PG. I mean, yeah. Yeah, man. It's so crazy. It's the 80s. And and we're so, nowadays we are so, we let that stuff slide. I mean, you've got, you know, F-bombs and whatnot on, on, on national TV now. But even back then, it was like, oh, we'll, we'll let this slide. But then they got well, so. They didn't have PG-13 back then. Right. I mean, it's, stuff like that is why PG-13 mm-hmm. was made. Yeah. Well, Tem- Temple of Doom in particular, I think, is what, what started the PG-13 rating. Yeah. Spielberg had something to do with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but I, but I love when they, when she rips her face off and the animation of that, I love when she's got the head cut off of Adam. It's all, it's all great, but, but they don't see them. Yeah. And this is another thing that I've, I've got questions about in this movie. And as we move forward and where we're going with, with the, with the Dietzes and uh, the Maitlands, like when they get to that point of where they they need to really scare the Dietzes and try to get them out the, out of the house, like how did they figure out how to let them see them, or do they ever really? I, I want to touch on that again when we get to the scene where they're meeting with with Juno. Um, well, when, Juno tells them that they need to practice. Yeah. So I think they're just new at this, and they they you know I mean they do things that are seen, and they do find a way to interact right with you know physical objects and things like that. But I I think they're just they're just new at it. And speaking of Juno, it I, it took I actually I didn't get it till the, today. I did not realize she is the grandma from Mars Attacks. Oh yeah, she is in Mars Attacks. Yeah, that's probably yeah. one of the Tim Burton movies I've seen the least. I don't remember much about that one. Uh, I just 
I didn't even realize that was her. And then I saw it today. And because, you know, he always uses the same actors in a lot of his movies. Oh, yeah. And oh, I yeah. was just like, that's the grandma from Mars Attacks. Oh, my God. <laughs> well, this is probably where it starts when I when I as a kid and started watching more movies really started to notice when these certain groups of characters or actors were together in a movie. Well, that um, actress was also uh, one of the better known actresses in the film at the time. Uh, I'm forgetting her name, but I, I think she was pretty well known uh, for older work and stuff like that. For and some reason, I convinced her to to come on. Um, it wasn't for some reason. I was I was thinking she was in Greece, like one of the teachers in Greece or something. But I don't think she was. I, I didn't get a chance to actually confirm or deny that. But I think I'm wrong. But for some reason, I read I about that and I'm forgetting it. So we should move away from that. <laughs> 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 I don't want to be wrong. So, but I, you know, they got to figure out how to get the Dietzes out of the house. So they go to the handbook. They, I love the flyer they see for Beetlejuice. <laughs> unhappy with, uh, there's the thing on the, it says unhappy with eternity. <laughs> Are you unhappy with eternity? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, I never really thought about it before this viewing. Cause I haven't seen this movie in probably over 10 years. He's like the opposite of a ghostbuster. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. He's he's a bio exorcist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a bio exorcist. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yep. We're disgraced to bio exorcist. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and and still to this day, all right. Tell me if any of you guys know the name of the movie is Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. That is not what we get in the movie. Right. Well, no. It's never spelled that way in the movie. Yeah, it is not spelled that way at all. Well, you know, they they pronounce it that way, but. I remember as a kid, I used to think, is, is this Beetle Geis or Beetle Geis or whatever like that? Like, put a French beetle, Beetle Geis. Well, yeah. Alec Baldwin reads it wrong the first time he reads it, and then they yeah. say it right later. But And then that's what got me. I was like, it's, I need an explanation. Yeah, It's got to be more marketable. If anybody's listening, send us this and explain this to me. I'm sorry. It's got to be the explanation. This is just more marketable. Well, <laughs> I think the explanation is that people are dumb. Like, they don't wouldn't know how to pronounce that. So they simplified it. Yeah, they actually had the name of the movie Beetlejuice. Mm-hmm. So you would know how to pronounce the name of this movie and the character. That's exactly what they had to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I watched some of the some of the behind the scenes on it, and that's the little bit of research I was able to do on this one. And, yeah, the, they had to change the name because it was just going to confuse people. What so, was the original name? It was uh, House it was- Ghost. Well, yes, there was that, and then they, they yeah, considered... scared sheetless, scared sheetless, <laughs> sheetless yes, yeah, scared sheetless. Really? Yeah, yes, those were the. And what was funny is oh. was it Tim Bur- when he didn't want house ghosts, and he gave them that. Hey, you know, we're just going to call it scared sheetless. And Geffen was really like, like we kind of like that. And he's like, really? <laughs> you know, I was yeah, kidding. I, yeah, I'm like, I'm just kidding. You know, he just yeah, we're going to call it scared sheetless. Well, I pulled a clip of our first introduction to Mr. Beetlejuice. I'm going to play that now and we can kind of comment on it as it plays. <laughs> I love all the giant <laughs> I love the car salesman look. It's so awesome. You gotta have your homes, buddy, violin. You want to get rid of that pest living once and for all? Why don't you and, down and being from Texas, I'm personally offended. <laughs> yes, Come on down here, and I want to tell you, I'll do anything. I'll scare real bad. The point is, folks, I'm going to do anything to get your business. 
I always love this whole little yep. piece. Now, you get a free demon possession with every exorcism. You can't beat that, can't you? Now bring a little parts down here. Hell, we got plenty of snakes and lizards for him to play with. There's no problem with that at all. So, say it once, say it twice, third time's the charm. And remember, I'll eat anything you want me to eat. I'll swallow anything you want me to swallow. So come on down now. Chew on a dog. Ow! <laughs> Chew on a dog, man. Chew on a dog. Uh, and Michael Keaton is c- going just balls on. to the wall, yeah. dude. Yeah. I want to know how many. I want to know how many drinks or a couple of lines of coke or whatever was going on back then. Because I mean, it was the eighties. They partied hard in these movies. But and then this man later becomes Batman. Yeah. <laughs> I, I said that to Jenny, and and there was a lot of debate about. Tim Burton wanting to cast oh, him as oh Batman. God. And I can see why. Like, If you went to the producers and were like, this is who I want to cast. And they're like, you want this guy to be Batman? <laughs> yeah. you, you want the uh, Texas car salesman from Beetlejuice guy to be Batman? Yeah. Mm, okay. So, but hey, still, I think still the best Batman. So, yeah, that'd be another episode. Yeah, that one should be coming up sooner than later. Yes. So. Yeah. But where, comic book movies. where are we at? So they, they get their introduction to Beetlejuice and they decide they're going to go meet their caseworker, Juno. I love the drawing, the door on the brick. Oh, yeah. Just draw a Such door. Such an awesome, yeah. no Such problem. An awesome little thing. And I think that's, I mean, we've seen that in other movies too. That's yeah. got to be something that comes from actual lore or something, you know? Yeah. It feels that way. And, and they do, they hint at little things here and there too. Later, I mean, they go and they meet this, they get to their, the waiting room and they pick their number and the ladies, the lady at the front desk is telling them, you know, they're going to use up all of their, their credits with Juno and they've got a hundred, this is where we get the 125 years in the house. And she shows that she slit her wrist. And then later Otho is talking to the girl at the dinner party and he goes, you know what happens when you commit suicide, you become a civil servant. In the afterlife, yeah. In the afterlife, yes. Yeah. And I thought that was really smart. And I never really dawned on me until we watched it. Juno has slit throat as well. And I love that her exhale just comes out of the... the Dude, a great, a great You know what's funny? It took me years to realize before the exhale that she was walking around with her throat cut. Yeah. It took me forever to even notice that. And then, you know, as you know, it's like, oh, it's cut the whole entire time. Why did I not know? And you think it's just a wrinkle or something, but no, it's just like... Yeah. Yeah, they kind of save it for the cigarette gag. Like, they don't show it so much. Right. And then it, it really becomes apparent in that shot. And then all the people waiting in the DMV, all the dead people. I loved that as a kid, just, like, looking in the background, looking for all the different, oh, that guy's got shark, that guy's mm-hmm. got bit by mm-hmm. a snake, that guy's this. Yeah, love all that. The cigarette guy. And the imagery the here is cigarette. what really hooked me as a kid watching oh, this. Oh, man. And, and just seeing all of this stuff and not really understanding on an adult level how funny this was or what they were trying to convey with all that. Like the guy that was ran over with the tractor or whatever, the big flat guy. Yeah, oh, yeah the filing cabinet guy. Yeah, like I don't know who came up with that, but it was a great idea and he I'm so glad they did it. goes into the wall. Yeah, I, mean- I know. He's, he's a filing <laughs> But the, the main thing is, is in, I mean, we've already seen a couple uh, things like the whole ripping the face off the severed head uh, makeup job. But those characters in that waiting room the first time, the guy who like burned alive from yeah. smoking or yeah. whatever. I'm just like still to this day. I was like, that holds up. 
I don't care that it is 2020. That holds up. That makeup holds up. Well, even the girl that's cut in half. Mm-hmm. Yes, that is great. And I mean, they wanted, a, I believe they wanted an Oscar for makeup they, in this movie. They did, yeah. They w- when yeah. it came out. They yeah. won an Oscar. And I see why. Yeah, I yeah, can I can completely see how they did the the, the torso of the girl. Mm-hmm. What I'm blown yeah. away by are the legs and like th- they had to have had laying had, backwards. Yeah, they they had to have had her laying backwards and then molded something on top. It blew me away watching it this time. I was like, man, they really did well with that because I even with 4K watching it in 4K, I can't I couldn't I couldn't tell. You know, it looks really good. And the aesthetic in the DMV office as they walk through the office and there's all these dead people working and they, they have this makeup. It's very Halloween. Everything about, yeah. you know, the, the holiday. Uh, you know, like, it, it just, it, this movie exudes Halloween. I, it it mm-hmm. makes sense that he goes on to make Nightmare Before Christmas after this because it's just like, this man clearly <laughs> loves Halloween. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, Most definitely. It, and the, the 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 makeup the black lights all the weird oh like the things. glowy women who are all blue and yeah, yeah. yeah. i love the, that the, the weird like the really red hair yeah hallways yeah. with the checkered floors and the oh the that crooked, perspective crooked doors and yeah, the, yeah in the hallways all that stuff so is interesting just so neat when it's it's a feast for your eyes and well. you just get to as a kid, I just remember looking at every little detail when they sit down and there's people sitting in a movie theater through the window behind yep. them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's like all different weird dead people, red skeleton, white skeleton, there's different stuff. There's just stuff everywhere. It's yep. like in the background, just it's so fun. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, the blue people, I don't know about you guys. You know, I was 11 when I saw this movie. I always had the hots for the receptionists. I, Dude, I With did the, too, man. The blue skin, the rare. And then I come to find out while researching this that she is in another movie that I always thought that the woman was so beautiful. And that uh, her name is Patrice Martinez. She's the main girl from Three Amigos. Oh. You know, I did not know that. And I was like, okay, this makes it now. When I found that out, of course, I had to rewind back to the part where they meet her. And I'm like, oh, yeah, that is totally her. But you wow, can't tell crazy. it's her. That's a great makeup job. Again, great makeup. So, but I was like, okay. I was racking my brain watching it because for some reason, I, w- I thought it was Salma Hayek, like a really young Salma Hayek <laughs> uh, there for a minute because she kind of has the same similar look. Yeah. But the fact that she is the girl from three amigos and i love three amigos watched it so many times as a kid and it never i never put those two together patrice martinez but i you know they get to the house and they find out they've been gone for three months and juno tells them what they need to be doing what they need to be practicing but they get up to the attic and they start asking about beetlejuice i love when she brings it up or they bring it up and she's like and then when she starts telling the story i've never noticed this before but as she starts telling this story of Beetlejuice, the lights dim, and then this light just comes up like while she's telling the story. A, I didn't notice it, and B, like Adam and Barbara kind of like look at it as it happens, yeah, like where the like, hell is this yeah. coming from? <laughs> <laughs> they're just as surprised as we are. She carries her own special effects with her when she yeah. tells a story. So she I thought that. And then I love when she exhales and the smoke just she just disappears into the smoke. Yeah, I guess I, that's one thing we noticed that some of these people in the afterlife have some cool little magic tricks. I mean, we actually see it at the end of the movie with the Maitlands, yeah. but you know, it's like, well, I guess you got to get there. 
as you go through it, maybe you get these extra powers of yeah. disappearing and snapping your fingers and stuff like that. So, so um, we skipped over this shot, and this is before we actually meet or see Beetlejuice for the first time. But the POV shot of the fly flying around into um, the model. I thought I had it right here, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love that. I love, I thought that was so creative. And then the close-ups of the fly too look really good. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know. I mean, it had to have been all stop anime stuff they did, but I mean, that fly looks, looks real as up as up close real as I think they could get it to look for sure. But, and I also love in, when they go to the shots of the model and the grass is all just the egg crate, the, the green yeah. egg crate. I wanted my grass. whole house. So, you know, Kayla said the same thing, Jenny, and, and I said the same thing. I mean, that grass is amazing. And I just want I always wanted to play on it when he jumps mm-hmm. on it and falls down and all that stuff. It, I, I love when they dig through it and there's just. Like and it's the model. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah. they stick great. with it. I mean, it is 100 percent. They stick that you were in the model. Same reason I loved all the all the stuff in in Honey I Shrunk the Kids, you know the, the mm-hmm. tiny, you know or the giant rather mm-hmm. grass and giant ant and the cookie and all that stuff. It's just it makes your imagination just go crazy when you're okay. I have one question about the fly scene. Had anybody ever had a Zagnut bar? No, but it no. says Clark Zagnut on it, and I think it's just a, like a offshoot of a, a Clark bar. Okay, that's why I because I, I see it and I'm like. I don't think I've ever seen that candy bar anywhere. I maybe thought it was something to do with a Tim Burton thing, but I, I didn't mean, know if it, it was very a real... well be Tim Burton just going like taking a candy bar from the fifties or sixties or yeah. something. Oh yeah. He, Cause he used to he, like, he, he does like, yeah. oh. and that's yeah. even uh funny when you see, you can see Beetlejuice's hands sticking out of the ground as a miniature, you know, that's just like a little toy Beetlejuice. <laughs> I love all the toy. Yeah. All the miniature Be- Beetlejuice is clearly just a toy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just like a GI Joe. It works, it works conceptually. Anyway, oh, so yeah. it it's so perfect. So they decide that they've got to go. They've got that they're just going to have they're going to they're going to call on Beetlejuice. Now, here's where one of the unanswered questions for me happens is how the hell did they figure out that it was Beetlejuice? Cuz you hear them throughout all of this like Beetle, Geist, Beetle, Geyser, Beetle breakfast. They say all the wrong words. Like and Barbara just all of a sudden says, "It's him, Beetlejuice." Like yeah. how maybe, did they figure it out? They, Maybe they heard about him in the DMV or something. Mm, maybe. maybe. They or, were there for three months. I'm, I'm reaching here. I'm reaching. I'm reaching. But they, they call Beetlejuice here initially, and they really didn't need to. Like, I, I think they were still to trying him. to figure it out. So they, you know, I, at this point, had they done the sheets? No, y'all skipped that part. Because yep. you, missed, you totally missed Eric's line from Night of the Living Dead earlier, so... Oh yeah, we we went about two scenes too far, but uh, night of the what? <laughs> yeah, they get in sheets and it doesn't work. And you get one of the most memorable lines in this movie from yes. Lydia that people have said forever since this. The whole uh, you know the why can't I, people see them? Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Jenny, give it to us. I'm strange and unusual. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yes, and then everybody was like, her. <laughs> that girl right there. Uh, exactly. But, you know, I Goth think OG. <laughs> the reason that they were driven to call on Beetlejuice is the horrible interior decorating that has occurred in the time that they're in the DMV. There's like 
two redeemable things about the remodel of this house. And one of them is Lydia's room, which is very purple and understated with some very small flower prints on the wall. It's lovely. And then I actually really like their little deck edition thing where it's got kind of the one house shaped panel at the end. And, you know, we see it later in the movie, but like those are the only two things that. Yeah, the the stone spray paint stuff all over everything all over the banister all over the door i noticed that it looks like it looks like granite like the the like the the, it looks like concrete yeah pretty much yeah it's it's terrible Mm -hmm. Uh, although it's very unique for the movie Mm -hmm. yeah um so well you mentioned the quote from lydia the i myself am strange and unusual it's gonna bring us to a new little segment we've got here called you're going to need a bigger quote. You're going to need a bigger quote. quote, quote. So we've got that one. <laughs> what are some other quotable lines from this movie? I mean, I, I didn't have a chance to research the taglines, the official taglines for Beetlejuice, but there's some good lines in this. Yeah. I said it at the beginning of the uh, podcast. It's showtime. Yeah. yeah, it's showtime. I'm the ghost with the most. I'm the ghost, ghost with the, the most, baby. Uh, make, go ahead and make my millennium. That's a good one. I do like that one. We've come for your daughter, Chuck. And the one we're about to get the one we're about to get to. Nice fucking model. <laughs> yes. Oh God, yes. Well, I've I've got two here. Uh I, I like the one from Adam, the Alec Baldwin character. He says, Barb, honey, we're dead. I don't think we have very much to worry about anymore. <laughs> That's a good one. That and is then, a good one. Uh, Otho, uh, he says, I know just a, as much about the supernatural as I do about interior design. <laughs> and then it gets quiet. Everybody looks at him. But the one that I, I still use it a lot because it, it's kind of like he throws it at you like a Jersey, you know, New York accent. It's right before he says, nice fucking model. He goes, I'm working here. Yeah. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I say that in a, almost in a week still to this day. And then, of course, he kicks a tree. Nice fucking model. But I love that. That's a great shot, line. too. Yeah. Oh, it's over. I love that whole little Amazing. segment, man. That left such an impression on me as a kid. Just him acting out, being a big baby, and kicking over the tree. Just the fact that he kicked over a tree, I was tree. like, "Whoa!" He, and then nice fuck, and he grabs his crotch. Yeah, says, nice the, the Michael. Model. Yeah, the Michael Jackson crotch grab. You know, <laughs> well, one big uh-huh. thing I noticed. One thing I noticed this time, this watch, and I think I'm just getting old, but. When I was a kid, I thought Beetlejuice was like the coolest damn dude ever. Yeah. Oh hell yeah! Watching him this time, I'm like, he behaves poorly. Yeah. It's he's uh, he's crude, and I don't like him. I I like the family more now. I'm laughing at the family before. When I was a kid, I was I hated the parents. I just liked Lydia, and of course, you like the the couple. And I I thought Beetlejuice was so funny, but now I, I I I think it's funny more thinking about just michael keaton going crazy yeah mm-hmm. that's funny uh but like as far as what's being said and what's being done it's not as funny as it used to be <laughs> yeah. i think beetlejuice kind of reminds me of like a fun maybe drunk uncle <laughs> that's what he, you know you hang out with your uncle he's that one that's the crazy you no know, he doesn't have any kids or anything like right. that he's oh, wait, making wildly inappropriate yes, i think that's me i'm that i'm that uncle <laughs> we're just gonna sweep that under the table let's not talk about that <laughs> I, I pulled an audio clip on uh, on this one here, and this is... I, I, I'm just going to play it. What are your qualifications? Ah, well, I attended Juilliard. 
I'm a graduate of the Harvard Business School. I travel quite extensively. I lived through the Black Plague, and I had a pretty good time during that. I've seen The Exorcist about 167 times, and it keeps getting funnier every single time I see it. Not to mention the fact that you're talking to a dead guy. Now, what do you think? You think I'm qualified? <laughs> you want to get nuts? It. Let's get nuts. <laughs> Oh, man, yeah, Beetlejuice came out a little bit in that Batman performance for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that part, yeah, in Batman, when he meets the Joker, that is total Beetlejuice right there. <laughs> that is, but that's funny you played that. That That's another one of my favorite segments of this whole movie yeah. is just that whole, even the, the stuff before that when he's meeting uh, uh, the, the Maitlands and everything with, you know, talking about being his buddy. Next thing you know, he's wearing the same shirt. Yeah. Yeah, we're some Potico, man. We even shop at the same store. <laughs> and that kind of stuff was what made the cartoon fun. I, if, yeah. I haven't watched it, but, you know, he was always swapping outfits, doing all these kind of crazy bits, kind of like the genie from Aladdin, you know, like. Oh, yeah. Just doing like just silly stuff and little bits and jokes all the time. And it's so you funny know, that that went on to be like a kid's cartoon and everything, because like we're talking <laughs> about, you know, as a kid, you thought he was really cool. But watching it now, he is I mean, he's a bit rapey. He's very, yeah. you know, very total perv, man. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> so it was. It's, it's weird that you know, and I, I love the fact that he really he only has eighteen minutes of screen time in this whole movie. Yeah, isn't that crazy? He's but barely it makes such an impression. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and that's all he needed. It was even going like to be Hannibal Lecter. Sh- yeah, it's it was even going to be shorter <laughs> because they had to go back after they had tested it for audiences and the the stuff after when he's when he's waiting at the DMV. They had to shoot all of that after the movie was pretty much done they did that in post because they needed they they felt like he, he needed to be in the movie more right and people didn't want him to be like cursed for internal damnation necessarily right like he goes back to the dmv and he's in trouble he gets his head shrunk or whatever but yeah he's ultimately pretty much fine by the end of the movie and i love that they play with that aesthetic with like the toy line that came out i had a bunch of the beetlejuice action figures <laughs> that kind of coincided with the the tv show the the animated show um the cartoon and but I, I again we're going back to like all the stuff i had when i was a kid if i still had some of these toys i'd be rolling in the dough you'd be rolling 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 so rolling, rolling. so they decide that beetlejuice isn't going to be a good idea and then barbara has an idea mm-hmm. and then we get the infamous dinner scene yes they're uh just having a light conversation about suicide at dinner no big deal <laughs> Over a shrimp cocktail. Yeah. It's it like looks, Otho. It looks a little suspicious. <laughs> that is the, those are the biggest shrimp I've ever seen. Yeah. Now, of course, we know why they're so big, but <laughs> I was they're looking fingers. at fingers. I was like, those are prawns, man. They ain't shrimp. So, like, we haven't talked about this yet, and we need to. The fashion in this movie is top notch. Delia oh, yeah. is an icon. So earlier in the movie, she's got a glove as a headband. Yeah, um, headband glove. Then in one scene, you see Charles wearing a red sweater. And then like the next day, Delia is wearing that sweater as pants. I did not notice that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then later at this dinner party scene, she only has one glove on. Because the other one was her headband. Yeah. I love that. She's amazing. 
She is the MacGyver of fashion. She is. And she's hysterical when that song kicks in. <laughs> she, oh my like God. Her in that scene, I mean, they're all great, but she carries that scene for everybody. I can yeah. honestly tell you, I never knew who Harry Belafonte was. Yeah. Until after seeing this, and then later, you know, you get in life. Well, who actually sings the song The Dale? But they're playing I mean, that, just, they're playing that music through the whole movie. It's just in the background. Yes. Yeah. It's it, it's so Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean you got the Danny Adam Elfman score yeah. going, but then you got these little songs like this through the whole movie and then but man, that day who doesn't you you and your friends are hanging around and somebody goes, oh, and oh. everybody kicks into <laughs> Here we go. This is what Jason did. He did the Deo dance. Uh, <laughs> I remember being a kid. And there was some song. I, I, this is the only part I remember, but it was like Deo, Day Old Bread, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I can remember. But I'm sure as kids, good. we always had to make it our own. We always had to change the lyrics. That the whole that whole again when we were ta- I was talking about you know the whole thing. I mean, Dealey is hilarious. I mean, I know they're possessing her, making her do it, but her acting is mm-hmm. flawless with yeah. it i mean you really think that she's doing it but she's being possessed and right because she's reacting as it's happening mm-hmm. I, yeah that's the funnest part of that whole scene is everyone looking like what the hell is going yeah. on is there the thing that she's doing it yeah you know they're being taken well the people are li- that are listening the people that are listening to this aren't going to get the full full um aspect of this but when when they cut to charles and it, it, it says something about a tarantula and he's like tarantula yeah <laughs> my tarantula but this is this isn't that that guy uh jeffrey jones the guy that plays charles he's been in a little he's been movies yes yeah yeah, he might come up later but the the he's always such a slime ball in so many movies Mm -hmm. and it's i always i love when he gets a chance to just be like uh, he's got his issues in this movie yeah he is a a, kind of a lovable presence in this movie Mm -hmm. And I love that they redid the whole house, but they kept that study exactly the way it was yep. mm-hmm. with the books and everything. You can just do because he he wants to relax. That's I, yeah. And again, the, an adult thing that I never really would have gotten as a kid. It's like, and I kind of picked up on this when he's having the conversation with his his guy in New York, and they're like, "You need to calm down." Like I think he had a nervous breakdown, and that's why they had to move to the to, to Connecticut. Yeah, they talk about his nerves. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. Interesting. So yeah, maybe it could. Well, because he said uh, Delia is his is Lydia's mom. Maybe maybe when her mom died, maybe he had a yeah. breakdown, and then he married Delia. So how unlikely was it at the time that you just get this random musical dance scene in the middle of a movie <laughs> like this? And again, it left an impression on me as a kid. And then when when the shrimp come up out and get get them, uh, jump, oh, jump scare for sure. That's a good jump. Yeah, that is, forget about like, the shrimp. Like I said uh, earlier in the uh, earlier in, in this, it's just dude that scared the shit out of me as a kid. I mean, you're you're having fun, all these cracking jokes, the crazy guy doing the Texas car sh- thing, like, and the next thing you know, monster shrimp come out and grab you by the face. You know, and, yeah, that's terrifying. And I can't believe Jenny. Well, I think do you even eat shrimp? And we I had the do. whole Lost Boys maggots and stuff like that. So now we have so this shrimp monster hands i didn't eat shrimp when i first saw this movie so that didn't bother me and you know it's fine as an adult it's you know (laughs) it doesn't look like real food anyway yeah it's very exaggerated 
Yeah. Well, like Josh said, they look like prawns. You know, well, that's a good shrimp. Nice big shrimps. <laughs> and I guess they were going to have more R&B music in this movie. And yeah, I read Burton that. And took over, they changed it to like this Calypso stuff. Mm. But but Lydia was going to lip sync to uh, When a Man Loves a Woman. Oh. Well, yeah. Well, that kind of helps make sense of the Sammy Davis Jr. part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. yeah you got Sammy true. Davis Jr. You have... R&B instead of Calypso, and yeah, it was a very different experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there was it after this, we actually, everybody goes upstairs, and everybody gets to see the attic for the first time. Yeah. They're right not scared. This. They didn't scare them away. They're actually yeah. well, I love that now, enjoying it. Now, Ju- now Dulia has, has found this as something that she can hone in on. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, I can do something with this. Almost like inspiration. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. you know, she was so so blasé about it and didn't want to acknowledge it when Leah brought it to her. And now it's like she's so concerned that they're gone. And she's like, well, if they're not gone, I don't want to scare them away. So she, she just flips on a dime. Yeah. And the fact that that dance number and everything didn't freak them out is, is amazing. Um, how the hell did the how did the, the Maitlands do that to them, though? Like it's magic, man. But hey, quick going back to the, the thing. uh O'Hara and and Jeffrey Jones were the ones that suggested the um, the Calypso music. Oh, oh really? Really? So that's kind of an interesting yeah fact yes. there. But uh, yeah, I mean, who knows how they pulled it off? But it was too entertaining. They're not evil. They're they're not scary. They're like nice right. people. You know what I mean? And it's such a letdown to them because they're excited and celebrating, and you know, Adam's like, they're going to be running out any minute. Mm-hmm. And then it's just, they want you to come downstairs. <laughs> and it just, it's a gut punch to them because they, they really think they've gotten somewhere. Yeah, um, that was fantastic. I yeah. mean, I would be running out the door. I mean, shrimp just grabbed me in the face and just had a dance number. Uh, yeah, I'm out. I'm done. Yeah. But no, let's go upstairs again with the, you know, the horror movie thing. Hey, scary, scary. Let's go upstairs. Yeah. And, and the dad wants to capitalize on this. He wants to. Yeah. Make a, but he wants to buy the city and make yeah. it an he wants entire town, yeah. yeah, tourist attraction. But then Beetlejuice decides he's going to interject, and I, I found out a little bit of information about this. Originally, the snake did not did not resemble Michael Keaton's face or or look at all. So all the snake stuff they ended up having to go back and reshoot after Michael Keaton had done his parts. Oh, ah. I'm kind of interested to see what what it would have been before. But I, you know, I love that it has still has his facial features mm-hmm. and the hair, and it's but, creepy. Yeah, dude, yeah. it's, it's the, it, that's pretty the scary. Snake is creepy, mm-hmm. and yeah. I think that's time where the stop motion stuff. Same with the the sandworms. It it works because mm-hmm. it, oh, it feels otherworldly. It feels you know like it's not from our. It's reality. the perfect place for it. Yeah, 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 because yeah. yeah. it just got that herky jerky motion. It just doesn't feel right. And then you get that other iconic line that Jenny said earlier. We've come for your daughter, Chuck. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. But this is when, when Lydia finally sees that this shit is serious and can get serious. And for some reason, it just makes her want to be dead. <laughs> yeah. The teenage angst in her in this movie. Oh, man. She's got a bunch of it. But, you know, oh, it's... yeah. Real drama queen. It's also really touching. I don't think that I picked up on this until this watch like the Maitland's desire to have a child like they 
feel very strongly toward Lydia. They want to protect her. They like immediately latch onto her when they know that she can see them and they develop a friendship and a caring for each other. And Lydia loves them so much that she wants to be dead to be with them because she relates more to them than she does to her own family. Yeah. It's, it's really sweet, especially it, considering it the ending wow. of the movie. Um, I just thought that it stood out to me this time as a well, touch. Jenny, may, maybe that's why they, you know, I was asking earlier, wh- why are they staying here just to pr- keep their house from getting redecorated? Maybe that's why they're, they have unfinished business because yeah, they the whole... got to be parents. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I mean? I think maybe you figured it out. Uh-huh. Well, there you go. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Cracked this wide open. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but that's the conversation they're having um, when they go back to see Juno, and they <laughs> they do the things to their faces again. Very Tim Burton. I love that. It looks kid, so great, mm-hmm. and uh, like who would who was thinking of these kind of things at that time? Um, we we have a segment here that that is called "If you like this, you might like that," which I w- kind of wanted to introduce in this episode. But in watching Beetlejuice and thinking about it. I'm only going to be able to recommend Tim Burton movies mm-hmm. because yeah. there's just there's really nothing nothing that really compares to that style in my opinion. Nope. It's um, unique. And and people really haven't tried to rip it off, I don't think. I mean, Tim no, Burton is successfully. That's yeah. Fair. And and when we get on to Batman and the things where he gets bigger budgets, he tends to tone down that stuff, but I love that he just went for it in this one. Mm-hmm. And it all looks amazing. But when they when they do that to their faces and they're going back to their house, she's um, Barb's just like I want to be with Lydia, and they've they've made that connection. And I love when Alec Baldwin can't get his his no, face to go back to normal. <laughs> and he's but, got the long nose when he thinks yeah. about it. <laughs> but the thing is, um, I mean, we're there. We actually skip one of the funniest part of the movies, the Dante's Inferno. Yeah. I was going to go we back. Totally to missed it, yeah. dude. That's, what, that's the 11 year old thing of like, what's going on? You don't know. Yep, and I had no idea. One, yeah. Juno, Juno summons a whorehouse to distract <laughs> Beetlejuice. Yeah. The whorehouse was my idea. Well, he said he hasn't gotten laid in 600 years. So I could, uh, I think she knew what he needed. So go ahead. Make my millennium. <laughs> Here I come, baby. Yeah. There's another one for you to need a bigger <laughs> quote. But yeah, the look of that is great. I mean, that looks like something you'd see in a Rob Zombie movie now. <laughs> it does. Oh God, right. it, not in a movie, one of the original like white zombie music, like music video. video. Yeah, that would be a white zombie music video with the, all the girls with the again with the blue skin and the reddish hair and yeah. you know being revealing and stuff like that. But yeah, but as 11 year old Jason, I didn't get that. Yeah, we, I just thought it was funny when he's got the spike sticking out of him and he's doing the whole little dance like "Here I come, baby," and he's sitting there doing that little dance on the way up there. <laughs> mm-hmm. Laugh my ass off. I, that's the only part I got out of you it. Just, you just know, you just made me realize something. So when the when the thorns come out of him, is he's horny? He's literally yep. horny. Yep, <laughs> exactly. Well, remember when he sa- he gets up, he says something about "Oh, this has got me like an itch" or something like that, you know. And he's sitting there talking. He's got all these horns sticking out of him. <laughs> what a perv! <laughs> <laughs> and then while while the de- while the the Maitlands are gone, Lydia has her first encounter with him at the at uh, with Beetlejuice at the the Dante's Inferno, and that's where we get our other famous line: "I'm the ghost with most babe." <laughs> and he. 
He's a salesman, I gotta oh, say. Yeah. He's a used car salesman. <laughs> He's a used car salesman from Texas. We already we've established that. I d I don't I mean I guess I do understand the overwhelming urge for him to get married and all that stuff. He's just a creeper, but I love when the well, maintenance does, does he doesn't he state that he has to get married to get out of quote unquote here or yeah, whatever, well he, he's trying to he, well, that's a, he yeah, uses the illegal alien or is thing. At the end, right. when, when she goes to summon him, he goes, card. yeah, he's like, well, I'm what you would call an illegal alien. So in order for me to get out of here, I got to get married. It's very brief, but but I caught it. Do you it. think he's lying or do you think? Oh, absolutely. Actually- absolutely. Oh, yeah. He's so just playing think- on her naivety. Not na- yeah. naivety. Naivete. Naivete. Okay. Well, I thought I thought there was some kind of magical rule, even this time in my head. So, I, that, but that makes sense. He's a liar. He's a cheat. That, that yeah. I mean, sense. he's doing anything he can to just mm-hmm. get out and do his own thing. I definitely got the creeper vibes off Beetlejuice this time around. Yeah. And it's funny that you said earlier that he was just this coolest character when you were a kid. But yeah. what do you what do you think it was with us as kids that made us think he was so cool? Just that he was just so crazy bonkers and whatnot, and we didn't just didn't understand yeah, he, what his yeah, motivations like, were. He was like yeah, a big kid. He, he's like a yeah, he's like a cartoon. He does whatever he wants, so we think that's cool. Kids want to do whatever they want, you yeah. know. But now we're like, oh, she's an underage girl, and he's yeah. Uh, yeah. Talking about their wedding night, and uh, this is getting uncomfortable. See, I don't know if I thought that he was cool when I was little. Like, <laughs> you know, this, it was funny, but it was also, like, he was the bad guy. He was the scary thing. Like, Is, it, is this I, Cry Little Sister all over again? No, I... <laughs> No, I completely understand. Like, I got the feeling that he was the bad guy. Well, yeah. it's it's more of a boy thing to like, yeah, yeah, eating bugs be. and, and oh. being gross and and grossing people out. That's like a little boy thing. honking yeah. your crotch. Yeah, yeah. Honk honk. But you know, the reason that Lydia is up there desperate to talk to him is because they have uh, another set of guests. Over and they're pitching yeah. their, you know, paranormal tourist attraction, and they have to prove that they're ghosts. The pictures yeah, aren't gonna... doing it, so Otho has devised a way to bring them back, make them see them. Yeah, and and they're turning the it's turning the hardware store into a roach motel or something. Oh yes, the, the insect, by decon. insect zoo. Insect yeah, insect zoo. zoo. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but That's what's hilarious. happening to to the Maitlands is the effect is it's oh, very it's, yeah the de aging effect. Yeah, yeah I, I actually put wrote a note about that too. I mean, it's well they're aging. Horrifying. They're rapidly aging. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's almost as like. I kind of got from this that now that they can see them, they're 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 decompose like they're truly dead. Mm. Like that's kind of okay. what I pulled out of it this time. Yeah. So they're 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 decomposing. They're actually becoming the dead, uh, which I could be completely wrong about that. But that's just what I got from it watching it this time. Yeah, and when they are the the Maitlands are decomposing there and that kind of stuff. If they completely disappear or die will they end up in the the room of lost souls that's what i think because they said it was uh ghosts that were exercised yeah yeah it's okay. death for the right. dead yeah, it's de- yeah death for, as a janitor said death for the dead okay which is so that scary like yeah, that like really scared dying. me when i was little <laughs> yeah. yeah when her foot starts curling up 
Yeah, oh. drawing in when her shoe falls off. She looks, he, oh, the shoe falling off is yeah. bad. And then yeah. her face just looks so sad. Yeah, she's Davis so has such sad. a uh, happy face and such a, mm. you know, and, and she just looks so sad. I, I, it grabs her hand and it starts falling apart. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, when it like hand. Cr- crumbles. Yeah, that, it's a very good effect. Yeah. And that, and that when she runs upstairs to make the deal with uh, Beetlejuice. Yeah. yeah. Well, before all this starts, I love her line when Otho is talking about how he's going to do this seance and summon them. And she's freaking out. And all of a sudden she goes, wait, what am I worried about, Otho? You can't even change a tire. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. And her and the way she delivers it is very funny. Yes. I mean, this is where it really shines for Beetlejuice. It's like this is what you wanted the entire movie is, is all these hijinks. Um, but I, this is also one of those things that's kind of like a, it's kind of like comparable to Jaws. It's like, I think the reason Beetlejuice works on the level it works is because we don't have a lot of Beetlejuice in it. He's truly left to give you the good moments and that's that. Mm-hmm. And I, and I like that we are, we follow the Maitlands and whatnot through this movie and not necessarily Beetlejuice, which is where the cartoon went and all of that stuff. Yeah. He shows up and becomes a carnival game right off the bat. Step right right up. Just just drink. (laughs) And, uh, you know, people, all the guests are drawn to him and his show. And the, the two guests who are there don't realize that while they're watching his whole spiel, that they are becoming the carnival game. (laughs) (laughs) And they're murdered. I, I am guessing they, fly they through the roof. murdered. Like, yeah, if murdered. you got shot into the ceiling, yeah. severe head trauma. you would die. Severe head trauma for sure. Yeah. And he weirdly spares Otho. Yeah. He just, he, he he just turns him into a fashion him. victim. That's yeah, what that's I was going to say. That's the worst punishment <laughs> for Otho. Otho's Otho. fate that's worse than death is being a fashion victim. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I did not catch on to that until this watch. Same, yeah. Because yeah. that, that, that noise he makes when it happens. Yeah. Because <laughs> when I was a kid, I just thought like they he, like stripped him down to his pajamas and it was an embarrassing <laughs> thing. Like, yeah, cause because we didn't know what blue leisure suits were. Yeah. So, but I, I do have one thing to point out. When he comes out as, I call it, carousel Beetlejuice. Uh-huh. Did you notice his ears? Yeah. They're bat. They're, They're bat, bat wings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I was like, hmm. And if and you I, notice on top of the umbrella thing, there's like a, a skeleton looking thing that looks like there. Jack Skellington. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And apparently Tim Burton had been doodling that character, that ske- what came to be Jack Skellington for yeah. years. Well, you think about it. And he comes out in the black way. and white stripage suit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Everything. I mean, that becomes such a staple Burton thing anyway, mm-hmm. the black and white stripes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I, I found out in a little bit of research about Tim Burton for this that he worked for Disney for quite some time as an animator. And oh, uh, he worked on uh, the original short film for Frank and Weenie and yeah. did that through Disney. And when he cut it and, and I don't know if they released it or showed it, Disney fired him and claimed that he had like stolen funds from them to to do this movie that was so bleak and bizarre and had then Disney wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, I found that pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. And uh, wow. apparently he doesn't have a very good relationship with Disney. Yeah. <laughs> but Which, he goes back to them later. Yeah, yeah he does. Well, of course, I mean, now, now he's making later, money. Like and, decades later. <laughs> oh, people do like the macabre and the yeah, black and white stuff. And mm-hmm. hor- universal horror movies mm-hmm. and stuff. and. 
Um, so uh, the 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 uh, Lydia's red dress. Uh, there's apparently an, an old an old rhyme about wedding dress colors. It says, "Married in red, better off dead." Huh. Oh, kind of interesting. It's yeah. good luck in some cultures to get married in red. But this is where I really got the pervy stuff from Beetlejuice. This oh, is yeah. His just complete infatuation with wanting to marry Lydia, which I could understand from a young boy's point of view at that time. But this is, I don't know how how old Michael Keaton was, but. He's and, thousands of years old. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Beetlejuice, who knows? And, and the fact that he's wanting to marry this 16-year-old is a little a little off kilter there. Yeah, he's a creep. Yeah, yeah, he's got the the creepy his leisure suit <laughs> that has every uh, endless pockets of snakes and every other thing. <laughs> yes, it's like crushed velvet, and that's like a cartoon, right? Like Looney Tunes or whatever. Yeah. Like reaching mm-hmm. into their pockets, pulling out crazy things. You know, he's like just a living cartoon. You know, which is yeah. why kids love him. That's how he got a his own cartoon. because you know he's yeah. he's just this crazy character. Yeah, and then you got the Maitlands trying to fight back to send him back, and he can't save Beetlejuice to save their lives. And I love the, the zipper mouth. Yes, the, the I like the plate. dancing teeth. I like the dancing yeah. teeth when he rips his teeth out of his mouth. That's one of my favorite yeah. scenes. <laughs> I really That's... love the little priest guy. Like, oh yeah, the, the fireplace opens up and it up. becomes all angular, and the little priest guy wanders out. He's so little and cute. Do you, Beetle? <laughs> Nobody says to be worth it. We were. I I read that Keaton. Um, I'm I'm hitting the notes here, guys. I'm just trying to get them out of the way. Keaton uh, used the character Chop Top from Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 as as an inspiration here, and that blew my mind. I absolutely <laughs> see it. I absolutely <laughs> see now it. That you now that you say that, like, holy oh shit! Oh it's, man. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's, that was, I couldn't let us skip by that when I had to. Oh say yeah, Jenny, ha- Jenny that, has no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Anything that I mean, involves I, Texas I and Chainsaw, <laughs> <laughs> Texas Chainsaw too. He is so irritating. Yeah, but you uh, can get to uh, that movie in a later episode. Absolutely, <laughs> it's it's not one of my favorites either, but it is memorable for certain things. But it's fun that all they have to do is say his name three times. Yeah, and yep. he, it it seems simple, but he keeps stopping everybody from doing it. Which the, yeah, which they could have said his name three times at any given point and all that. Like why they're saying his name so slow? So Jenny pointed slow. that out while we were watching. She's like, "You could have said his name three times by now." All right, and what's the deal? <laughs> I don't know if y'all noticed this. I mean, this is. I mean, we're trying to get on to, but what's with the three times? Because you know, doing my research and I started thinking about this. We got to say Beetlejuice three times. You got to knock on the door three times. But even in, you know, urban legends, the whole Candyman thing, you got to say it three times. Bloody Mary, say it three times. Candyman was five times, by the was way. Was it five? Yeah. Was it five? Okay. Three, but, three is something that comes up. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the Holy Trinity. The, yeah, the know, Holy Trinity, yeah. Three is just everywhere. But there I, there are other examples of threes in this. Like, um, what does she she says something what does she say home or something go home home home, home. yeah yeah she says home yeah, home home, home, home. Yeah, they, that's right they, yeah they everything's three that happens a few times in this movie so uh, the way they save the day here and rescue lydia from beetlejuice and he throw he does his magic trick and throws her to the wasteland again and i didn't touch on this so when they introduce beetlejuice and the model when they're you know asking for his qualifications and everything. And he's all up on them. He like 
grabs hold of um, Barbara and he sees that she's got the yellow sand on her. And he says, oh, you've been to Saturn. I've been to Saturn. Sandworms. Uh You hate them, right? I hate them myself. So Saturn. I could be completely wrong, but that's what I got from this and watching it the past couple of times. And I I didn't get a chance to do my research on it. But I think when they are in that place, they're actually on Saturn. And that's just from what I get from there's anything on the the newspaper because the newspaper talks about sandworm attacks have increased Mm -hmm. or something like that. I looked over the headlines that are on the newspaper and I didn't really see anything that Mm -hmm. coincided with anything else in the movie. And mm-hmm. Beetlejuice is named after a star, so we've, yeah. we've already got some on Orion's belt astronomical. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, it's starting to connect. They don't really spell it out for you, but yeah. yeah. And, and then when they go uh, to this different you know planet or whatever, you know, they even mentioned you've been gone for hours. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, when they bring them back, you're like, was it three hours or something? I forgot. Yeah, what it it's, says. it's like Interstellar. Yeah. Yep. So that's what that's what's got me confused about the way they they kind of wrap this whole thing up is he sends her off to Saturn. He sends Adam to the model. So she's in Saturn for what I think the timeline would say. She should have been gone for a couple of hours. I mean, she's probably gone the same amount of time Adam was when he had walked out of the house earlier. And then all of a sudden, she's just crashing through the roof with a sandworm. It eats Beetlejuice, and that's that. Like, how the hell did she get back there from Saturn? Right. It's a it's a major deus ex machina there yeah. at the end. And, you know, just it is what it is. Right. It's a movie. Don't take this movie too seriously. Yeah. But, <laughs> I, I mean? but I remember as a kid kind of having a question about that. I kind of felt yeah. like, how did that, how did they do that? Because they don't. Getting the time, the time stuff even, just how did she, how did she tame a sandwich? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, maybe she it was from been which... dressed with like, with like, uh, you know, Mad Max style. Like she had been there forever <laughs> and learned how to train them. That would have maybe been. it was for when she slapped him on the nose earlier in the movie, and it was like, "Whoa, okay, hey, this yeah. bitch means just business." She's charge, taming yeah. the sandworm. But that's yeah. another aspect of the movie that went on into the to the animated series is they use the, the sandworms. sandworms a lot. Oh, they were all in. I love the cartoon. Now we talked briefly about Delia hating the style of the house when they came in, and she wanted everything gone. Why did she keep their wedding clothes? Why did she have them magically have they, them there? They were just in the closet. They hadn't done anything in that closet. I yet. think it was she's too small. just a weirdo. Maybe she wanted to wear the wedding dress as like a headband. I'd have to yeah. go. <laughs> I'd have to go back and look at it. But were were those things in the study that maybe Charles didn't change and he just left them there? I don't think they were. Um, well, they find them in the closet. Yeah, earlier. I think yeah. she kept them on purpose for yeah. something. Maybe. She makes something out of nothing. I mean, they, they hadn't done anything with the fashion. attic yet either. So there were parts of the house that hadn't been very sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. I do love that um, he gets into the little model car. Yeah. Oh, and yes. Drives, drives off the model. And because as a kid, that's exactly what you want to do. Yeah. You want to drive your toys around. Yeah. You know, great. like. Jason did it. Is yeah. that what you did, Jason? <laughs> Dude, I tried to do that with every little remote control car that I ever had. I want to drive it. All. How does it land and keep going? And you know, eventually, after many tries, you do it. And also, you know, your mom and dad getting mad for, hey, I broke this one. <laughs> I kept driving it off the table. So I told you, I did, I, there was something in here, but it wasn't nothing extravagant like hanging off a bridge or anything. But yeah, doing the whole car sure thing. You tried to summon the dead at some point, but I guess I was wrong. Maybe. 
Well, Jenny wanted to talk brief uh, talk about Alec Baldwin. There was something we hadn't. All oh, right, I do. Okay, so you know when I was little, I probably didn't have any like recognition of who actors were really. Yeah, like from movie to movie until I got a little older. Mm-hmm. Um, so Alec Baldwin, looking at it now, is so not Alec Baldwin. To me in this movie, because he's so different that when I think of this movie, I think that it's Bill Pullman. <laughs> and not this Alec like Baldwin, because it looks like him, kind of. He does kind of look like him. Yeah. I, I read that uh, Alec Baldwin didn't, didn't care for this movie, that he does not like his performance in it. or You something. know what's really funny and that you you didn't, you wanted to bring that up and... I didn't write a note about it, but I remember when this came on and seeing Alec Baldwin on the screen, I don't associate Alec Baldwin with Beetlejuice, which usually you find an actor that's famous for a movie and you associate it with that. Like Michael Keaton, Michael Keaton's been all kinds of other things. I guess I can associate him with Batman. I can associate him with this. I can associate him with all kinds of things. I never go back to Beetlejuice with Alec Baldwin, like, like watching 30 rock or any of the new newer stuff he's done. It never crosses my mind that he was our lead in Beetlejuice. I nope. I, I, I thought of that while we yeah. were watching yep. it. Dude, I always go to uh, Hunt for Red October. See, I haven't seen that, but like once. Yeah, it's I've been seen a it while. Too much many times. Movie. But mean, he really doesn't. Like, well, yeah. His character doesn't have much to do. No, he doesn't. But I, I, I don't think he really needs to, though. I mean, he absolutely no, he works. Need to, but uh, yeah. that might be why you don't really think of it. Yeah, so much. And he looks so different now. Just yeah, and, right. then it's, and then it's after this movie, you realize there are Baldwins everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, yeah you could easily <laughs> just get the Baldwins. These people are all related. Yes. Yeah, it's like, that's a Baldwin. That's a Baldwin. Wait. Whoa, oh, wait. They're, oh, okay. They all look kind of the same and talk. This, oh, right, they're related. Oh. <laughs> and then we get our closing. Everyone's happy. So, I mean, they decide that they're going to, you know, coexist. Coexist. Mm-hmm. And they've got Winona Ryder as their, like, pseudo daughter. And mm-hmm. and it's sweet that the parents have sort Embrace of embraced them. this. Yeah. And, yeah. They like sharing custody of, the, of her, <laughs> I guess. You know, you we get her Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. You get her the other days of the week. Yeah. I, I don't know why I'm, I guess this would be a lot of fun if you're floating in the air and yeah. dancing around. Like I don't, I've I always kind of found that a little weird that that was your reward at the end of the day. No, we're going to float it. you. Yeah, we're going to let I you float in the air for a little while. Dude, who, who's a kid didn't want to fly, man. Yeah. So yeah, getting to float. And, and it brings, goes back to what I said earlier about the whole magical powers. Now all of a sudden he can look at a record player and it starts playing and make her float through the air. And right. they couldn't do, they, they could barely do ghost stuff. And now they can do that. Right, so yeah, they they're they're getting better and better. Mm-hmm. And then of course we get the uh, PA speaker going downward mm-hmm. into the lobby, and we see our fun buddy uh, Beetlejuice hanging out. Yeah, that's the add-on scene they they put in just to get a little more screen time for him. Um, I love that he's just being cocky and the whole switcheroo with the number. Yeah. <laughs> well, looks like I'm next. He's just so cocky about it. It's great. <laughs> um. But the 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 ending scene where they do let her fly and, and the 
the the pots start jumping and the the chair starts rocking mm-hmm. like i i got overwhelmed with joy when that started playing like oh, yeah. just something it's about crazy. the way they end on that and my being a kid and not wanting to see the movie at first and then the way it ends is just so happy and it has a silver lining to it and it i, I welled up a little bit when the music kicked in and everything not that this movie is anything that special to me per se but it's like it just reminded me of simpler times when I was I was thrilled by the fact that I just saw a movie that I loved, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that it it made me feel things about a movie that I've never really felt before because I'd never seen anything like this before. And then, you know, the music was was so unique to that movie. Mm-hmm. It's got this, you know, deep, dark undertone stuff by Danny Elfman. And then you've got the Deo music and all of that that kind of, you know, gives a juxtaposition to it. But I just think. You know, I think Tim Burton went on to do a few better movies, but this was really him just kind of sticking his foot in the door and saying, here's what I've got to offer you, Hollywood. You can take it or leave it. And luckily we got, you know, got to see more from him. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just, I couldn't believe how like just joyful I felt when the movie kicked, the ending of the movie kicked in and whatnot. And that ending is is more magical than ghostly or spooky. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it feels like, it feels like, uh, a Disney movie, like, uh, yeah. Like, uh, like, you know, magical, like the fairy godmother doing things, yeah. having things move like with the, with the, around. with the football players that come back from the bus crash oh, and they're <laughs> dancing on the stairs. The like, did they get there? Well, I may, well, you don't know how long they're it's still been now. Aren't they yeah. haunting the school bus or something? <laughs> yeah. There's well, a, but, you, but even you're talking about being, uh, the way it ends and such, I mean, you can even look at Lydia. Yeah. Color in her skin. Yes, I was gonna her say. Her hair she is done happy, up nice. Yep. She looks yep. like she's enjoying life. She's happy. You know, she's so happy now. She can be herself and just. And I mean, it, it is. It if you think well, about it, yeah, it hits you in the emotions. Yeah, very yeah. Much. I mean, that's that's what makes this uh, Tim Burton stuff. You know, a lot of his films play in this sort of sadness, and and uh, you know, it can feel cathartic to feel sad with someone and then watch a character kind of get through that hard time and feel better. You know mm-hmm, what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I think he connected with a lot of people with that stuff that just really dark, like suicidal type thoughts and just super dark depression, you know, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. so many people can it, relate it just to connect that. It. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody connects with that. We just let you know that, Hey, you know, things might be dark right now, but they can get better and they probably mm-hmm. will get better. And look at Lydia. She's floating in the air and having a great time. Mm-hmm. Listen to some more Harry Belafonte. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's great. So, and that's that's the conclusion. That's of Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice. Bravo. 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 Yes. I mean, it, it has its it has its flaws. I, I'm not gonna I'm not willing to concede that it's this is a perfect movie by any means, but it just holds a magical spot in my brain. Because, again, with the whole being the first movie, I recall going to the theater and being genuinely surprised by it. Is it worth a rental? Jenny? Yes. Jason? Always. Eric? Forever. Yes. Right. Now, I, I, do, I, I want to br- briefly talk about the sequel that was planned for this. Does anybody know about what they had in- initially like written to do for a sequel for this? 
Isn't it where he goes to Hawaii or something? Yeah. Something like that. Beetlejuice goes to Hawaii. Which a lot of people have commented on that this would have been terrible. They're so glad that they didn't do it and all of this stuff. But after watching this and seeing that blend of the Danny Elfman stuff and the, and the, the Calypso music and all of that, like I think a Beetlejuice in Hawaii thing could work. <laughs> Well, Tim Burton playing with like that '60s Hawaii yeah. aesthetic and that like surf movies and stuff like that—that that mm-hmm. could definitely be cool. Yeah. So a part of me kind of wants to see that, and <laughs> and I know they're never going to do it now. And there's there's been all these things about are, they're going to make a sequel, they're going to make a sequel. I don't think they need to. No, I think this is just one of those perfect offshoot movies that's like it's here. It marks a, spot, a moment in time, and it is what it is. Don't I think they need to make a full horror. Uh, reboot of Beetlejuice. I would in the vein of of like something like the the Evil Dead remake or something like that. Just oh yeah, go super hardcore. dark. Yeah. Like I would go for that. I would. That could be cool. Yeah, you wouldn't. No, I could. Yeah, yeah. I, Josh, I, I, Josh, no, I would. Dead, I would absolutely go for that. I, I mean, I would love to see what they would do. With that. I, I can't, you know, I can't say if it would be quote unquote good or not. But I would definitely be down to see if somebody yeah, wanted to try sure. that. All right, almost famous. Almost famous. I know that, dude. I don't know that. Haven't you ever heard of that guy? What's that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? All right. We've got quite a handful of people in this one. you got Michael Keaton. This was one on a writer's first movie. Catherine O'Hara, I don't know what she had done before this. Um, well, she had... Alec Baldwin. I don't know where Alec Baldwin was at this point in time as far as actors go. But, I mean... But they're all too big for this. They say memory. Yeah. Yeah. To me, there's, there's one person that stands out, and that's Jeffrey Jones. Yep. Absolutely. <laughs> that dude was in so many 80s movies. Uh, Let's talk about Howard the famous the one. Ha- Howard the Duck. When I see his face. <laughs> Ferris Bueller. Ferris Bueller's just, yeah. But see, that's where I disagree. I think it was Catherine O'Hara because Jeffrey Jones went on and did more movies, and he and Jeffrey Jones is – has an iconic role in Ferris Bueller as the principal where she just went on to kind of do home alone one and two. Okay. No, no not did, true. She, she did all that stuff with, you know, no, go ahead, Jenny. With Tim Burton. She's, are. she's a voice actor. Yeah. But I say a voice, but you don't see well, she her. Doesn't wanna, matter. She just won an Emmy. Yeah. She's yeah. hugely famous. Like well, I mean, yeah, I mean, she's still, she's, she's <laughs> part of what was going on today. I mean, we don't, we don't watch Shit's Creek, but she's, she's got, no. Accolades see, for I, that, and let's say I, I don't watch that show, but to me, I I knew more of Jeffrey Jones. Well, yeah, I mean, in the eighties for sure. He yeah, he was of in Ferris Bueller and Howard the Duck. I mean, yeah, yeah. I, I and see. Stay tuned, stay tuned to love that. Although movie. he was also in in uh, uh, he was in a TV show for a while too that um, I'm forgetting. But Wait, ahead. did he have a short uh, bit in uh, Devil's Advocate too? Maybe. Yes, he wasn't Well, I'm going to blow all of you away and say that Glenn Shaddix is almost famous, guys. Yeah, Otho. Otho is our guy. Dude, he rocked it in Demolition Man. Demolition Man's the only other thing you know that fucker for. <laughs> Don't lie. I didn't see Demolition Man until I was much older, so like... And I don't remember that he was in that. So just going off my experience, the the dad is the guy who you just kept seeing everywhere. It's it's a guy that I've seen in so many things, but I would never remember his name. Mm -hmm. But you know what's cool uh, that you didn't mention Glenn Shaddix? 
that they actually played Deo at his funeral when he passed away. Oh, that's right. yeah, so. In real life, when he passed away, they played that at his funeral. That's, that's nice. Sweet. That's freaking. That's freaking nice. But yeah, I mean Jeffrey Jones. Whenever I see his face, I just see the the Howard the Duck character. <laughs> so yeah. we can agree to disagree. We can agree <laughs> to disagree. We can have more than one. The good, the bad, the ugly. Who would like to Hi-ya! start tonight? I'll go. Go for it, Eric. Um. The good. I'm going to say all the giant miniature stuff. So anytime they're playing in, in that giant sandbox of rubber grass and, and all the, the fake <laughs> props and all that kind of stuff, as a kid, I just fell in love with that stuff. Still love it. I I, I, mean, I would replace my own lawn with that grass right now if it was <laughs> something that would last in the sun yeah. and the weather. Uh, I, I would happily do that. Uh, the bad, I'm going to point to some of the bad uh, effect shots, uh, just mostly the compositing stuff, all the makeup work and, and practical stuff is all great and fun. And, and, but there's some, some pretty ugly, I mean, even his head shrinking looks pretty rough now. Um, yeah. Uh, all that stuff, just mm-hmm. the edges are pretty ragged. Uh, and then the ugly, I'm going with uh, Beetlejuice is a nasty pervert. <laughs> uh, the horse nope. house, the the whore, the whorehouse, the groping, uh, the underage bride. Uh, he's just a little too crass. I don't think that holds up as far as, uh, you know, just a, a modern viewer. Okay. So that's that's my ugly. But that being said, I think Michael Keaton is amazing as Beetlejuice. And, yeah. And all that stuff's spectacular. It just hasn't aged very well, I guess. Yeah. And only one person could play Beetlejuice. Yeah. Jason, you want to go? Sure. Oh, my good is uh, a two for the score and the, uh, the effects, the makeup That's, and effects. You cheated I mean, again. You cheated last week too. I'm <laughs> cheating dude, because you know what? There's I can, I can break the rules cause I'm Jason, <laughs> but uh, because I mean, those two things make this movie is the music and the, the practical and uh, makeup effects. I mean, like you said, they went on to win an Oscar for the effects in this. They, I think they still hold up today. And of course, Danny Elfman has gone on to do so many other, you know, scores in many of our movies that we grew up. You I know, think he's only, he's only not done. I think two of Tim Burton's movies. Yeah. yeah. So. And he even works for, with Sam Raimi. He did Spider-Man. Oh yeah. He does a lot of stuff. Not, mm-hmm. not just with, with Tim Burton. Yeah. Know. Yeah. He, he gets around. So that's my good is the, the two, uh, two for on that. My bad is, uh, I kind of wish there was a little more Beetlejuice in this movie. I know, like you mentioned about the whole Jaws thing, but I kind of wish we got just a little more about him. We don't need to know his whole backstory or where he, how he got that way. It would be kind of cool maybe later, but I, I kind of, kind of wish I kind of got to see more Michael Keaton and be, as Beetlejuice during the movie. That's fair. Uh, but my ugly is the ongoing talk of the sequel with the original cast that Tim Burton has mentioned. Winona Ryder has mentioned as of late, even Michael Keaton has. And it, I kind of like Josh said earlier, it was like, it really didn't need a sequel, but the fact that they keep talking about it with the original cast, it's like playing with my emotions. Yeah. Is it, am I, am I happy that we are, or do we really need it? You know, and let's, let's find, let's see the say yes or no. And then if they do, if they do say yes, is it going to be good? So that's my ugly is just the, the ongoing talk of the sequel. Yeah. Imagine a, 
a Beetlejuice sequel in the visual style of Alice in Wonderland with all the CGI uh. junk and all that kind of stuff. That sounds yeah. that's awful. No, mm-hmm. I mean, they would have would, to still do it with practical effects. They would have to go. Yeah, if you're going to do it, you better dial that shit back. All yeah. That crazy yeah. shit. But that's me. Good, bad, and ugly for Jason. That's it. You want to go or you want me to go? Yeah, I'll go. Um, the good is just the design of everything. You know, this being the first Tim Burton movie that I saw, it everything becomes instantly recognizable as his style for props and backgrounds and everything like that. Um, and going kind of along with that, just kind of a twofer is just Delia's fashion. Um, <laughs> it's amazing. Um, for the bad, we didn't talk about this, but I'm going to say Lydia's hair for 90% of the movie um, <laughs> because when she's dressed up in her like full on goth, she does this thing with her hair where she puts half of it up and teases the shit out of it <laughs> so that it looks like a feathered hat. And I, I kind of like her spiky bangs. I like that. But the, the feathered hair sticking up like that. I, I do not like it. Uh, she has a couple shots where her hair is down and more natural, and she looks fine like that. The spiky uh, bangs yeah. look like a... Like, you know when people dress up and try to dress up like a cartoon or like an anime character? Yeah. That's what it reminded me of. Like, yeah. I, I, I imagine, like, them using a reference of some kind of drawing of a little girl with bangs and I mean, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It yeah. kind of feel, like those spiky bangs really feels like it, uh, an attempt to look like a younger or yeah. a, look like a, an animated. And character. I think the T's hair is more like a Gothic peacock. Yes. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> She's going for a Gothic peacock. Look, that's it. Yeah. Um, New hairstyle. I just, I just <laughs> named it. And the ugly. So I was going to say, uh, Beetlejuice's crude rapiness. Uh, but <laughs> I will go with kind of the cavalier attitude towards suicide and death in general yeah. in this movie. Um, you know, they make jokes about if you commit suicide, you're a civil servant and they're just lightheartedly discussing it over dinner. Um, Lydia doesn't seem to think it's that big of a deal to commit suicide. Like, oh, I'm just going to go kill myself and live with these people that I like. Um, Yeah, it's never tonally really, uh, no one really reacts to it when she says that to that level. They go, oh, no, don't do that. You know, but it's like, that's a pretty big deal. That's a cry for help. Yeah. It's like, my life is a dark room. (laughs) One big dark room you're gonna need a bigger quote (laughs) (laughs) um and even the realtor who may or may not be family you know she they come and they like stare at the house all in their morning clothes but she's scoping that place out to sell it and she shows up when they're moving in and she's just like oh yes terrible you know very sad and she's there to pitch her interior decorating yeah. services. Like, it's just like, oh, yes, all these perfectly 
healthy young people have died and not a big deal. Just pay me. Yeah. <laughs> so that's mine. Come on, Josh. I mean, I'm I'm going to I'm going to echo a lot of what everybody said. I mean, the production design is amazing. It's something it's one of those things where even as a kid, you recognized it from that point forward. Um, you know, he delved into it a little bit with Pee Wee's Big Adventure, but here's where he really got a chance to to shine. And I think it's a really good balance of of old classic style things mixed with the new modern goth style. And I think it balances it very well. Um, the bad, I'm going to say the effects, um, they don't look so great nowadays. Uh, but I mean, it's the practical in shot stuff looks amazing. It's the, it's the the overcuts and the things like that, that just kind of don't hold up as well now. Um, and my ugly is just going to be the, the plot holes that I, seem to have found with this movie you know, just, you know how, how are they making them dance how can they see them uh, and then when they couldn't see them in the in the beginning you know how did barb get back with the sandworm those kind of that that would be my ugly is like maybe they could have worked on that stuff a little bit better eric you're supposed to solve those plot holes come on eric. magic you do use magic <laughs> it's all magic snap of the fingers it happens so. we're dealing with the supernatural so yep. who are we to try to make sense of it all right. Well, I mean, that's the bit of our discussion about Beetlejuice and our almost famous people and good, the bad, and the ugly. Now we're going to get to our little section called Staff Picks. Attention for this week's Staff Picks. Attention, this week's Staff Picks. <laughs> and my, staff picks. my Staff Pick for this week, I have been jamming. I thought it was their new record, but apparently I'm just behind the times. I've been listening to Tame Impala's um, last record. Uh, their latest record, latest record. There you go. Uh, the slow rush. That's the name of it. It's escaped me there, but I have been jamming the shit out of that record. And I, I knew nothing of tame Impala before this. I mean, I'd heard their name. I've I'd listened, never listened to any of their music, but Jenny can attest that I have been bumping that shit ever since I discovered uh, it. He dances. Have you listened to the album before that? I, I I've only listened to brief little snippets of songs. So uh, I haven't, I, I love that album. So you definitely give give that one a go. I'll I'll, I'll be going back and and discovering that stuff. But. Spin that baby up on your Spotify. Phone. Yeah. So the Tame Impala Slow Rush album is what I'm jamming right now. I can't understand ninety percent of what he says, but I like it. <laughs> it grooves well, really well. It's got to be groovy, and you can dance. It's groovy. To it. That's right. Jenny, and I'm sitting here not knowing anything you're talking. About. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you should check it out. That's why it's a staff pick. That's, yeah, that's right. Staff yep. picks are so great. Something new, yep. exactly. Um, my staff pick is also musically related for someone who is also behind the times. Um, Churches, the band. Uh, the chicken? I'm saying chicken? <laughs> I'm hungry. <laughs> nah. Um, recently kind of got into them, had heard um, their Bury It song, and... I think the only reason that I know of that song is because they redid it with Haley Williams from Paramore and I I love her. And so I didn't, you know, I kind of heard some of their songs, but didn't really, you know, give it a go. I kind of have to find music in my own time. Um, But they're. Or I just push it on you and be like, you need to listen to this because it's good. Or he just starts playing stuff and I'm like, what is this? And then I like it. Um, 
But their latest record, which is from 2018, is really good. I've been listening to it a lot, and I would highly recommend. Jason, staff pick? Oh, uh, I'm not going to do music (laughs) because I actually did have some. I got a couple things, but since everybody's doing music, I'm going to change it up a little. I'm going to stick with uh, the Beetlejuice uh, thing here. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, New York Comic Con 2020 Virtual Con 4 uh, because if you're into the whole collecting world, and I know Josh and Jenny are, uh, the whole Funko Pop craze that's been going on for years. But uh, as of tomorrow, we get some... uh, a new Beetlejuice pop that is uh, a, I guess, uh, GameStop exclusive. I, I myself have a number of Beetlejuice pops because, like, we just got to be talking for the last couple of hours. I love Beetlejuice. So, and I collect plenty of these, but yeah, I would, if you're into any of that big thing, the New York City Comic Con virtual thing, is, I think it's everything, a lot of their stuff goes on sale tomorrow morning, really early. And then, of course, in their corresponding stores for whatever exclusive each store has. But check it out if you want to get you a new Beetlejuice pop. That's it. Eric. All right. Uh, for me, I'm going to go with uh, the documentary on Andre the Giant on HBO oh. Max. Uh, it's called Andre the Giant. <laughs> and uh, it's, uh, you know, I. It's good. It, oh, did you see it? Yeah, I've, I've seen it. It's good. I, I'm amazed by how much old footage of Andre the Giant they have. I mean, we're talking when he's like young, like, you know, teenager young mm-hmm. in Europe. And, and uh, talk like, it's just amazing. His story is so interesting. And it's just kind of sad, too. And it's, it is sad. And uh, there's lots of great interviews and, uh, you know, famous wrestlers and people in the wrestling business. Uh, some of the people from, uh, you know, uh, uh, princess bride are interviewed as well. And, and, uh, it's a, it's a great thing. And I, I always had, uh, I always loved wrestling. The, the, I don't really watch it so much, uh, anymore, but the, the, the whole business of wrestling is fascinating to me, uh, of professional wrestling. Uh, and, that documentary serves as a nice uh, history lesson of, of professional wrestling and how it became, you know, a national thing. Um, and it's, it's, it's a very interesting watch about a, a very interesting person. So. Yeah. Cause he was kind of there at the beginning when it really started to blow up. Yeah. Yeah. Him. And he was kind of, yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, before Hulk Hogan and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So uh, the eighth wonder of the world. Yeah. Yes, and uh, for our our movie year nineteen eighty eight, he uh, he uh, he beats Hulk Hogan for uh, the the championship in the first primetime wrestling match on television. Oh. Yeah, so definitely a legend. And uh, I've heard good things about that documentary as well. I, I mean, I've heard that you don't don't necessarily have to be a wrestling fan to enjoy it. No, you def- don't. Definitely not. And definitely. Um, I mean, most people would associate him with wrestling. I associate him with the Princess Bride. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's oh, I love Fezzik. I mean, yeah, they talk Fezzik's about that amazing. in the uh, yeah. documentary, right? Anybody they get into want that a too. peanut? And just uh, <laughs> that, that dude was so big, and like when we get to the Princess Bride episode, I definitely got some things to talk about with him. Um, mm-hmm. But like the dude, the size of his hands. I mean, I, we'll talk about that when we get to that yeah. show. But yeah, I'm I, I'll watch it at some point. I've actually watched a few of the wrestling documentaries and I'm not a wrestling fan because these, it shows us some of the goods and bad things these guys went through to do their sport. 
the business is fascinating. Yeah, uh, it the, is. Like just the way it works, how brutal it is, how hard it is. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, all the. I think there's a degree of like art and performance. Obviously, there's performance, but I think there's an art and sort of a romance to, to that form of of wrestling that used to be like a traveling show, Cir- like a it's like, a circus. like a yeah, like a circus show, mm-hmm. like a sideshow that you know kind of became this very unique thing it's you know it's sports entertainment there, there's no other real example of that <laughs> and yeah is it corny at times and 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 stupid sometimes yes but i don't know it has so much history it's really if, if you watch a documentary it, it gets into it and it's it's just it's very interesting i mean cool i'll definitely so check, cool. it so, check it out check it out well that's gonna do it for episode six beetlejuice guys we're over the hump we're over the hump we did victory as long as we can keep it up after this we'll be good (laughs) so that'll do it for us this week if you like what you're listening to if you've listened to our previous shows please give us a rating give us a like give us a subscribe wherever you get your podcast Uh, it definitely would help us out a bit and please share with your friends if you like what you're listening to and you think you got friends that would like what we're talking about please share 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 um so next week we're going to continue the Friday Night Fright Fest here at the VHS Files. We're going to talk another uh, horror comedy. Uh, and uh, next week we're talking The Monster Squad. Yes. Wolfman's got Nards! So, and unfortunately they're they're releasing a documentary about it after we talk about it. Mm. So I didn't yeah. want to, you know, I didn't want to push it back. We would ended up pushing it into the November before I could get a chance to watch that. I loved, I would have loved to have watched it before we watched the watched and talked about it on here but i am looking forward to that uh but yeah monster squad was another another one that left an impression as a kid and we may have some conflicting views on what is a better movie coming up in that one. Oh yes oh yes we will <laughs> but arguments may be about <laughs> but all right guys that'll do it for us here at the vhs files and we will see you next week as always be kind rewind beetlejuice 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 later over. You've been listening to the VHS Files podcast. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and drop us a rating and a review wherever you get your podcast. It was fun. <laughs> Email us your comments, questions, and movie suggestions at the.vhsfiles at gmail.com. I've seen one too many movies. Just follow us on Facebook at VHS Files Podcast. Don't you blame the movies! On Instagram at vhs.files. Movies don't create psychos! On Twitter at VHS underscore files. Movies make psychos more creative! <laughs> And head over to our YouTube channel at the VHS Files Podcast for more content. Thanks for listening.